and welcome back. Uh, can I use your mic? DJ, hit me! This is the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Gary Hoffman. The problem, sir, is that our hero is not, uh, he's not a handsome man. Shannon Farron. The whole crowd banged together and started chanting. Gary and Shannon. That's how the show started. February to you. The worst month of the year. It's only because you struggle with it. If you just took the time to understand the month of February. No, I, I mean, there's a lot of great things about February. February. Never mind. I knew this was going to happen. <clears throat> 28 days of me mispronouncing things and you pointing and laughing at me. Every year. Thursday on the Gary and Shannon Show means Justin Worsham joins us in the 11 o'clock hour talking about parenting myths today. Of course, he's host of the dadpodcast.com. We talk parenting. The dirtiest spot at the airport. I know exactly where that is. A new study has uncovered just what that is. That bathroom that I was in right before I saw Joe Buck walking down the terminal. I still can't believe you didn't slap him. (laughs) There's another Turpin house to tell you about. Oh, no. How many homes like this are there in we, our great country? We kind of threw that around in this in the uh, office this morning. How many of these homes are there where the kids are living in just filth and neighbors are doing nothing about it or, or don't even know what's going on? Kids locked up, me being made uh, to eat dog feces. Anyway, we'll get into that. But first, the breaking news locally today is this shooting at Salvador Castro Middle School in the Westlake area this morning. Two students were shot. One's in critical condition. Reportedly, he was shot in the head. The girl that was shot reportedly is in fair condition, shot in in the arm or in the hand. And uh, a young lady, a young girl in custody for this shooting. Very young. And when we saw the helicopter shot of the officers leading her away, it's it's uh, it's telling one of the officers that was holding her arm with his right arm, is then also holding her backpack with his left hand. Just to give you, I mean, just to remind you that this is not an adult in any way. I mean, this is a small 11, 12, 13-year-old girl, something along those lines. Um, they, uh, LAPD sent out a tweet that said that the middle school is on lockdown. This shares a campus, though, with Belmont High School. They're right next to each other. So it's not certain if the high school is also under lockdown, but the, it's just crawling with police officers right now. And this uh, Sal Castro Middle School and Belmont High School are on West 2nd Street. That's the address that's listed in the Westlake District. So that's just northwest of downtown L.A. by a few blocks and just a couple of blocks away from the school district headquarters, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, LAPD searching every classroom per protocol. Um, And and students are, in some cases, being handcuffed as they're escorted to, to, to safety there's a number of students outside the fences there uh, just kind of holding on to each other. Again, if you're a parent, say your kid doesn't have a cell phone to call you and say, hey, I'm okay. You hear there's a shooting. You don't see your kid yet. Those are some tense damn moments. Yeah, we and we didn't see, I don't believe, any images of the boy who was shot. And again, that was possibly the boy shot in the head. We didn't see any images of him uh, that we could tell going into an ambulance. 
The other two people that we know were injured, I guess a 15-year-old girl was shot in the wrist, like you said, or hand or arm. We saw her being loaded into an ambulance, and it didn't appear to be a dire situation. No one was running around. Right. It wasn't a sense of urgency. There was also a 30-year-old female, according to the LA Times, who was injured, but not a gunshot wound. So it could have been anything from uh, simply running to get away from gunshots and falling, uh, breaking a wrist or a leg or something like that. But they said that that other injury was not an actual gunshot wound. Shots were fired. The call of shots fired came in first at about 8.55 this morning. And again, at Sal Castro Middle School, the images that we see now are seems like more police officers than there are students. And because it's on lockdown, they are going to go classroom to classroom and check and make sure that no other weapons are in that school, which means they have to individually search each and every student that comes out of those classrooms. See, that's that image Just right seeing there. her walk away. I mean, like you said, this, we're talking about a young girl here. I mean, the, both the victims were 15, so she could be 15. But even if you're talking about 15. That's my daughter's age. I know. Weird... It looks like your daughter. Wait a minute. I mean, the size of her. <laughs> they, you know, they're they're tiny. They're they're not even. And just wearing the tennis shoes and the jeans and the sweatshirt. Right. You know, like a college sweatshirt or something like that. Um. It's just a bizarre. So two students have been transported to hospitals, one of them believed to be in critical condition. Again, that's the 15-year-old boy may have been shot in the head. And then a girl also shot somewhere in the arm that is believed to be in much better condition. And uh, one 15-year-old girl believed or one girl believed to be about 15 in custody. And his parents uh, sit there and wait for the release of their kids. I got to imagine there's a lot of tension some of the parents had said they've heard from their students who are still inside the school in different classrooms and that they have been telling their parents that they're safe, that they are in lockdown, they're in a dark, small space waiting for the police to come get them just to make sure that there's no other uh, activity there. Gloria Echevarria is one of the parents waiting outside the line of police tape for a word on her son. He's 13. She said, I'm, I'm just hoping it has nothing to do with him. I'm just scared for all the kids. School is supposed to be a safe place for them, and apparently it's not. And that's one of those uh, unfortunate thoughts that pops up every time there is a shooting at a school. You trust the school to take care of your kid when you when you leave your kid off at that school. Apparently, the kid goes to the school. They're holding a news conference. We'll see if we can break in. 12-year-old female, again, with abrasions predominantly to the head and face area. So only two of the five patients were injured as a result of a weapon. The following information will have Lieutenant Chris Ramirez to be able to provide. Right now we have approximately 50 LAFD firefighters on scene with a total of seven ambulances to ensure safety and to rapidly treat and transport patients. Lieutenant Ramirez. Good morning. My name is Chris Ramirez. That's C-H-R-I-S, last name Ramirez, and I'm a lieutenant with LAPD Media Relations Division. Uh, about 9 o'clock this morning, uh, LA Unified School Police Officers, in conjunction with LAPD Rampart Detective and uh, officers, responded to a shooting call here at Belmont High School. When they arrived, they located a few victims, and they also uh, located the suspect, who they took into custody without further incident. A gun was recovered at scene, and those uh, students were transported to a local hospital where they're currently undergoing medical treatment and uh, some are enlisted in some such stable conditions. Uh, and that's where we're at right now. Also, we have uh, currently treating this as a crime scene. We are working together with school police, uh, investigators, and staff, and we're trying to adjust and secure the crime scene and the location.
And that's what I have now. And also I have Chief Zipperman here as well. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Steve Zipperman. That's Z-I-P-P-E-R-M-A-N. I'm the Chief of Police for Los Angeles School Police Department. As Lieutenant Ramirez has already indicated, uh, the incident involves um, the fact that we had a uh, some type of a shooting occurrence inside of a classroom. And as a result of that, we did have uh, two students that were injured and three other uh, folks that have been um, injured as a result of uh, peripheral uh, stuff. So I want to first say one thing. As we continue to go through this and try to understand what happened, there's only so much information we can give you. Los Angeles Police Department is the lead investigative agency in this incident, and we will be here to support them. What I do want to do is get a message out to all the parents, uh, particularly this school site. And that is, number one, that if you have not yet received a message um, through the school, you will receive one shortly. Right now, we do know that we have one of the parents of the students that was injured as a result of the gunshot wound has been notified. And we believe right now uh, that we uh, have contact with the remaining parent. So. I want to assure parents that we are doing the best we can to get the messaging to you. The school remains on lockdown. The school goes through normal procedures as far as an incident like this to ensure the safety of the students. And although you will be getting a message regarding the incident at the school, if you have not received a call yet, okay, the parents have been notified and one is in the, in the process of being notified. That being said, we know this is a very traumatic incident for all the children of all, particularly inside that classroom. As we continue to move forward with this, I want to have everybody a clear understanding that we will attend to the needs of these students who witness this very carefully with the understanding this is very traumatic. We have our school mental health uh, folks that are here to support the needs of the student and we will continue to work with those students. LAPD will continue with their investigation and they will provide information as much as they can uh, as we get it. So again, the school has been declared safe at this point. There is no more safety threat. The students and those injured have been transported. We do have a, a student who uh, has been taken into custody and is at a local LAPD station and we will continue to be uh, messaging with the parents as best as we can and to continue to provide support to the school. Sir, CBS News, uh, are any of the injuries life-threatening? Are there anybody being treated here now? I, I, will, I will let uh, Eric Scott uh, comment on anything involving the, uh, the status of the patients. Uh, again, the total patient count that we have is a total of five. And please remember this is an active incident, so we continually have individuals that walk out, particularly with minor abrasions. Of those five patients that we have, the most uh, critical was a 15-year-old male that received a, a gunshot wound to the head. However, we're placing him in critical but stable condition. So our firefighter paramedics were on scene very rapidly. They quickly uh, treated that individual, transported them to a local hospital. Again, beyond that, the second most uh, serious injury was a 15-year-old female that had a gunshot wound to the wrist. The following three patients 
were ranging from 11-year-old to 30-year-old, predominantly had minor abrasions to the face area, some from glass. Again, that patient count may increase as this remains an active incident, but we don't anticipate it to at this time. Um, someone mentioned a classroom. Did this, can you tell more about like what happened, where it was? Law enforcement will do Right now, we're only commenting that it occurred on the campus. We're still trying to get the details about where exactly that occurred. Once we talk to the subjects that were involved, we can get further details to you out at a later time. Wasn't there a classroom? Was the shooting in a classroom? Like I said, we're still trying to get the iron out the details about the crime, and we'll get you that information as it progresses. One more question. One more indication question. Whether this was a targeted shooting specifically for these students or whether it was completely random? Until we speak to the involved individuals, we won't know the motive until a later time, and that will come out. How was the shooter taken out? We're going to come back in about uh, uh, in about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, again, we'll come back in about 10 to 15 minutes. Thank you, everybody. All right. Well, that was a, a live news conference there outside South Castro Middle School in Belmont High School, the scene of a shooting. It looks like about an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes ago. It was a female shooter, total of five people injured, but just two shot. A critical condition was how they described the boy, 15 years old, Wound to the head, they say critical but stable right now. And then a 15-year-old girl who was shot at the wrist, uh, she is in fair condition. And then there were three other people that had minor abrasions to their face area, some from glass, uh, 11 years old to 30 years old. The um, the interesting thing is that they cut off that news conference just now. Somebody else from the LAPD stepped in and said that they're going to come back in 10 or 15 minutes. That's unusual in that for two reasons. Number one, she cut off uh, her compatriot there from the LAPD in terms of interrupting and not allowing any more questions, but then also saying they'd be back so soon. Usually something like that takes place two hours, three hours down the road when they have a lot more opportunity to uh, to discuss what's going on, to talk with uh, detectives and investigators who are interviewing the people who are directly involved. So that's unusual. When they do come back, though, we will uh, we'll carry that for you live again. This is the uh, the shooting that took place at Sal Castro Middle School in the Westlake District of L.A., just northwest of downtown L.A., on West 2nd Street. Uh, any information that we get, we'll definitely bring it to you. School remains on lockdown. They said that if you are a parent for that school, you've not received a message through the school, you will get one soon. Uh, that one of the parents who has definitely been notified, one of the kids that was shot, that parent has been notified and they believe they have contact with the remaining parent. Uh, so they're hoping to get all the information out there. Uh, the school has been declared safe. No more threat there. But as we mentioned earlier, they are going classroom to classroom, searching every student as per protocol when, when these things happened. Unfortunately, yes, you got to have a protocol because these things do happen. The The girl that was arrested, by the way, the, the pictures of her were pretty clear. You could see her being led out of the school, dark jeans, dark sweatshirt, hoodie, uh, she has dark hair. Her head was his down. Uh, police officer had her in handcuffs with his hand behind her back, walking her, uh, uh, assuming to a, a black and white car. Her in one hand, and as you mentioned, Gary, her black backpack in the other hand. Yeah, just a stark reminder that these are children that we're talking about here. Um, the uh, the chief of the L.A. school police also mentioned that they will not have any sort of a motive uh, on this until they can figure out and talk with the people who are involved. I don't know if they the boy that they mentioned who was 15 shot in the head in critical but stable condition, which I think is the best news that you can get for somebody who's been shot in the head. Yeah. 
Um, I, I don't know if that means that he's uh, unable to talk with them, the extent of his injuries, if it was a grazing wound, whatever it was. But the girl who was shot in the wrist in fair condition is definitely going to be able to give them hopefully some important information about maybe what the girl had said, what sort of relationship she may have had. Uh, the girl who was shot in the wrist may have simply been a, an innocent bystander in all of this and just you know, was accidentally, and that maybe the boy himself was the one who was targeted. But again, all of that will come out hopefully within the next couple of hours. Uh, and again, they did mention that they'll have another news conference in just 10 or 15 minutes or so. Unusual, but we'll definitely bring that to you when it uh, when it comes around. All right. Uh, that's a story that we are going to we're going to keep doing all day because it is important. Definitely. The parents are going to want to know what is going on. And since it is right in our backyard, just over the hill from where we are right now. So we'll keep an eye on that. Let's take a quick break and uh, maybe your chance to win some of this. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. And answer the phone. Make sure that if you win, you answer the phone because they'll call you and let you know that you won. However, if you don't answer the phone, they'll find somebody else who wants 1000 bucks. Well, we have seen elected official after elected official stand at a podium and talk about their affairs, right? Anthony Weiner... Elliot Spitzer. There's so there's so many names of guys that have been elected to office, but then cheat on their wives, and then somebody's going to out them, so they come forward and try and get in front of it. What about Mark Sanford, remember Mark he Sanford to go spend time. Was with that his, the hike in Argentina? Somewhere in South America. He's now in Congress, of course. Yes, he resigned as the governor, and then yeah. we elected him to that's Congress. What we do okay. um, because these stories often blow over, right? We kind of forget the Mark Sanford story after a number of years, and then yes, they circle back and through the drain and back into an elected seat. Well, we got a strange twist on the old story today when Nashville Mayor Megan Barry admitted to an affair. She is fifty-four years old. She admitted to an extramarital affair. With the head of her security detail. This is like Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Now, the the ho- horrible, the the heartbreaking part of this is not just the mayor's husband or the police officer's wife, because both of them were married. This mayor made headlines inadvertent. Well, I shouldn't even say this mayor was in the headlines. We talked about this story, remember? Yeah, because her her son died of an overdose. 22-year-old son, Max, their only child. Just, I mean, it was a heartbreaking story. And it was, a. I mean, when we were talking about the opioid crisis and just the the struggle that families have, that it's not a lower, you know, class thing. It's not a a poor, poverty-stricken neighborhood thing. It's in every neighborhood in America now, this opioid crisis. And this was an example that you cannot, you are not immune to it just because you happen to be in the upper echelons of society, the mayor of a, of a large metropolitan city like Nashville. Well, she comes out uh, and finally admits what some members of her staff had known for some time. I, as a public official, have had a private event in my life that I need to, to share. I had a consensual relationship with a member of my security detail and i am deeply sorry for that and i am embarrassed and i am sad and i am so sorry for all the pain that i have caused my family and his family and i know that 
that God will forgive me, but that Nashville doesn't have to. We'll play a little bit more of that in a minute, but <clears throat> she's a big star. She's got great approval numbers. They love her there. Democratic City, first female mayor. She was elected in 2017. Yeah, approval ratings above 70%. She says she's not going to step down. And he, on, on the other, oh, and she's not separating from her husband either. Yeah. Um, the security mm. detail guy, he um, he might have a divorce uh, proceeding in the works, which is why this came out now. Because his wife has a lawyer who's trying to get co- custody of Megan Berry's cell phone for her case. So I'm assuming... The wife of the security detail guy is trying to divorce him over this and wants that cell phone and proof of an affair uh, to get some extra dollars. Yeah, the the mayor, like you said, has said she's not going to step down. She may be forced out of office over this because it wasn't just an affair, which, you know, wouldn't have much impact necessarily on her ability to do her job. But the question that could potentially dog her if she stays in office for any amount of time is – the money that the city spent so that they could travel together. He was a regular presence with the mayor during public events and travel and even trips abroad. There were nine trips where only Megan Barry and this guy were there, including a trip to Greece in September. That sounds beautiful. Is it like a sister city situation? Nashville and Well, what's Mykonos? interesting is when you look at... <laughs> When you look at the the amount of money that it costs to send the mayor somewhere with a security detail, or in this case, just one officer, but at least one body guy, use the term loosely, um, the bill for his trips for most of last year was almost $22,000. But they'd the be sending expenses. her with a security detail anyway. Right. But her bill for that same amount of travel was only 11000 And the difference is the organizations or the groups or the you know chamber of commerce or whatever that wants to invite the mayor of nashville will foot the bill for her so that the city's not on the hook for it but they will not cover the cost of her security detail right but the mayor's not going to go without security detail absolutely so the money would have been spent no matter who it was it just happened to be the guy she was boning right which makes that speaking of our favorite line of the story is this i mean i don't want to speak for you no it's i said it also the relationship is the first extramarital affair in the Nashville mayor's office that has gone public since former Mayor Bill Boner's public romances in the 90s. How did we miss that? I repeat, Mayor Bill Boner's public romances. Okay. What's his name? Bill mm. Boner. 34-year-old country singer he was into and a former bodyguard who was also a Metro police officer. Ah, uh, wouldn't that... Well... I'm Googling. <laughs> You're going to see a lot. what he looks like? Bill Boner. Okay. Be careful when uh, clicking on certain links when you type that in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here's a little bit more of the, uh, the mayor's uh, apology speech from the yesterday. And I hope that I can earn their trust and I can earn your trust back and that you will forgive me. I know that there have been several questions today about some of the finances, the travel, and the overtime. Let me just take a moment and talk about that, and then I'm going to take all your questions. 
Uh, as a mayor, one of the things that is part of what you have is detail, and, and detail is with you all the time. Well, she's talking about security detail specifically there. Um, I, as, as, as prudish, well, that's not the right word, as accepting as we, the United States, as society has become for things like extramarital affairs, there's still an expectation in public service like this, public office, that you're going to pay for doing something like this. And as we've seen, we use Mark Sanford as an example. I mean, this guy stepped out on his wife and uh, made up some weird story about finding his life partner or soul, soul, whatever it was, soulmate. And we elected him to Congress. She's got a future, it sounds like, because she was very successful as a politician. But I just don't think it's going to be as mayor of, of Nashville anymore. I think I, I think the opposite. I think, think they embrace her staying? even more. I think they embrace her even more. Well, it is highly unusual for a female mayor, female politician to come out and admit an infidelity like that. Right. So we'll see. I have uh, just a little nugget about Bill Boner and his appearance on the Phil Donahue show. Oh. Do that when we come back. Excellent. Gary and Shannon will continue. Also keeping an eye on the shooting at the Sal Castro Middle School. One female student, believed to be student, in custody. Several people injured, but only two of them actually had gunshots. One of them, a 15-year-old boy shot in the head. The other, a 15-year-old girl shot in the wrist. We'll come back with some more details. going to follow this story in the Westlake District. There was a school shooting today just northwest of downtown L.A. Sal Castro Middle School shares a campus actually with Belmont High School. Two people injured, uh, two people shot. A 15-year-old boy shot in the head, listed in critical but stable condition. 15-year-old girl was hit somewhere in the arm. She's listed in fair condition. A few other people but uh, were injured, but they weren't shot. They just received uh, either small abrasions or bumps and bruises. There was a news conference going on just about uh, 20 minutes ago, but they cut it off pretty quickly and said that they would be back in a bit. So if that uh, if that news conference starts up again, we'll bring that to you live. We were talking about Nashville Mayor Megan Berry and how she has come out and said that she has had an extramarital affair with the head of her security detail and talked into the story. By the way, she says she's not resigning and she's not separating from her husband, but tucked into the story is the the line that the relationship is the first affair in the mayor's office that has gone public since former mayor Bill Boner's public romances in the nineties. Like what? Bill Boner Bill, was. What's a nickname for Bill? Uh, Willie. Yeah, Willie <laughs> Boner. Wow, his parents must have really liked him. So during his term as mayor, Bill Bon Willie Boner made a what's deemed a controversial appearance on a 1990 episode of the Phil Donahue show. Like Phil Donahue show was like uh, <laughs> Oprah, but back in but the an old white guy. Right. I think they hooked up once too. You mean, and did a show together? Or did they have animosity? I'm getting the story maybe mixed <laughs> up. Anyway. I'm in a Chardonnay fog right now. I have not had any Chardonnay for a very long time. That might be the problem. At least 12 hours. 
What about Coronas? Nope, nothing. <laughs> Yesterday was my day of sobriety. So anyway, Bill Boner appears on the show with Tracy Peel, who's the country singer that he's accused of running around on his wife with. The couple was engaged at the point, even though Boner was still married to his third wife. It was reported that Peel, the country singer, had told a reporter that the mayor's passion could last for seven hours. Oh. This was discussed in the Donahue appearance, and during the same appearance, Bill Boner played the harmonica while Peel sang Rocky Top. The two would eventually marry and then divorce after Boner was caught cheating two years into the marriage. But how's that for a little spicy Phil Donahue back in 1990? Now, I know those details today in 2018 are like a Tuesday morning. That's nothing. Producers wouldn't even book that appearance because it's not salacious enough. But back in 1990, talking about a man's passion lasting for seven hours on uh, daytime television was a big deal. What's going on in Nashville? I mean, why? A lot of music. A lot of love. A lot of of, uh, moonshine. Moonshine. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we told you how we have uncovered another Turpin house. And unfortunately, that seems to be the case. Uh, This one is in... Wicomico County in Maryland. Not sure the pronunciation on that. It's not going to be a surprise, but they said that this is a town in Mardella Springs. Three kids there were beaten and reportedly locked up and fed bread and water, oatmeal, and sometimes dog feces. Who's behind this? Two women. Two women have been arrested, charged with multiple counts of child abuse involving these kids. The women are 29 and 25 years old. They were uh, they were girlfriend and girlfriend. The three victims, age 8, 9, and 10, lived with Amanda Wright and Besleen Joseph. The investigation has revealed that since late last spring or early summer, the three children endured physical beatings from both of them. Beatings inflicted with hands, extension cords, belts, sticks, other objects. They assaulted the children multiple times with an electronic control device, tasing the kids, 8, 9, and 10 years old. They were reportedly locked in closets in a basement, threatened with death if they told anyone about the abuse. Now, they've said that they're not doing much in terms of identifying or, or specifying details that would identify these kids, although it's clear we knew where they lived Who was living with them? So if you are in that area, I mean, it's pretty clear that you're going to know who those kids were. But each of these have been charged with three counts of first-degree child abuse, second-degree child abuse, first-degree assault, second-degree assault, reckless endangerment, neglect of a minor, stalking, use of a dangerous weapon with intent to injure, false imprisonment, one count each of causing ingestion of a bodily fluid, preventing uh, preventing the report of suspected child abuse or neglect, and conspiracy to commit first-degree child abuse. That's an in, that's a huge, long list. You know what? I wonder if the Turpin case tips somebody off to call Ab- this in. Absolutely. And that's, that's a nice consequence of the lives of horror those kids have lived. Because, in fact, uh, Maryland State Police says they got information on these allegations of child abuse. Somebody called it in. So I, if something good come out of the Turpin house... Looking around your neighborhood and saying, now, what's going on with those kids over there? Is that worth a call? In this case, it seems like, yes, absolutely it was. How many houses are sick adults torturing kids in? Well, 
one in each state? Is that a safe bet? I mean, there's probably two or three in the bigger states. California, we've, there's probably someone somewhere who's still doing this. In Texas, there's a couple. In New York, there's probably a couple. Illinois. And then, yeah, just places around the country, there are still, you know, it seems like every couple of years we're going to hear a story. And unfortunately, maybe it's going to be every couple of weeks now, stories about kids being rescued from these horrific conditions. I mean, it's great that they're being rescued. It's horrific that they're uh, being held there right now. Coming up next, terror in the skies that starts at the airport, the dirtiest spot in the airport, to be exact. My wife always travels with the with the wipes, the little Clorox wipes. Very smart. Always. Oh, and love sweets coming to Virgin Atlantic. No, it's bad enough when people try to talk on their phone on the plane. We don't need them playing Nashville mayor on the plane. Everyone needs a little love. I suppose. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Coming up in moments, we're supposed to get an update from Cal, uh, Sal Castro Middle School, where a female student opened fire in a classroom this morning, hitting a 15-year-old boy in the head. He is said to be in critical condition but stable. 15-year-old girl was struck in the wrist by a bullet as well, is said to be in fair condition. School remains on lockdown. They're not releasing kids yet. There are three other people that were injured, ranging in age from 11 to 30, from minor cuts and scrapes, some uh, some glass wounds there. Yeah, they're, we, uh, they're, telling, they're telling parents right now that if you haven't been contacted, then more than likely your, your kids are safe. Yeah, they, they've already contacted the ones that have been shot. Um, the They're also not immediately releasing the kids uh, to the parents, but they're asking parents to gather so that they can do so in an orderly fashion. Uh, well, it's time to head to the airport and wear your gloves. Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies wow. on KFI. There is uh, a company called insurancequotes.com that did a somewhat scientific test. 18 tests across six surfaces inside of three U.S. airports and airline flights. And it's going to make you sick. Yeah, what? Quick gas go around. Okay. Hip-hop music. There it is. There we go. What is the dirtiest place in an airport? Oscar. The uh, toilets, the bathrooms. No. Blake. Uh, the seats in the planes? In the airport. What if they're taxiing it up? Okay. Um, you want to go with the seats in the airport? Sure, we'll go with those. Okay, no. Uh, <laughs> Monica. I, the baggage carousel? Oh, that's not a bad one. I like the, uh, the thought on that. But not, not, not the number one. All right. You've already read the story. I already read the answer. I know the answer. The answer is. The answer is. Which we do have a false sense of security, I believe, when we use these. Excellent point. The self-check-in kiosks, guys. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Because everybody's as, touching them. That's mm-hmm. right. The technology is so great. And 
It's when you're coming out of your car, you got your luggage or whatever's going your on. Kid's diaper dirt, in one hand. Uh, yeah, and you shook hands with the guy who's driving your cab or your whatever. Can Listen. you imagine now during flu season, everybody's coughing oh, and sneezing? That's why we're and, so sick oh, all the time. Oh. I would have never thought, but I just didn't think about this, this. Because when you think about it, like Monica said, every single person touches those. This group at the uh, insurancequotes.com sent swabs to the lab and found the average number of viable bacteria and fungal squ- fungal cells per square inch <laughs> to see how clean <laughs> traveling really is. They found that those self-check-in kiosks were the germiest of all the spots they tested. 253,857 colony-forming units. Okay, let me just round up here. That's 254,000 units. 254,000. The average on your toilet at home, 172 units. But that's your toilet at right. home. Yeah, but not even the airport toilets were this dirty. So you'd be you'd be better served punching in your rapid rewards number on that toilet at the airport. Well, and here's the thing: that the toilets are not they get a bad rap. I know this is going to sound goofy and disgusting, but really, the only thing that you're touching is like the back of your legs, right? Unless you're doing something wrong. I was always taught that you're not supposed to be squishing around <laughs> and stuff. Don't even hover because then you don't know where everything's going. The back of your legs, what did the what does the back of your legs touch all day long? Your pants, if you're lucky. I mean if you have pants. That's it. <laughs> it's not like you're you know, you're eating food off the back of your legs or that you know, you're touching them against germy things. Ugh. So the toilet seats, you know, always get a bad rap because of everything that passes next to them. That's true. But it's not. But your fingers that punch in your little number there—they also feed you. They do everything. And Bobby just picked his nose before he got oh. onto the flight to Dubuque. The other, the second one, and this is a, a a far down the list in terms of second. They say that the airline gate bench armrest is mm-hmm. nasty, but like you said, the self check in kiosk two hundred and fifty four thousand. Uh, the CFUs, the colony forming units, two hundred fifty four thousand. The bench armrest is only twenty two thousand. Mm. So maybe check into your flight early so that your boarding pass is on your phone. Or how about this? I use this when Excellent. I touch when Excellent I touch the tip. buttons in the elevator here. Mm-hmm. Just use the knuckle. Oh, I use my elbow sometimes. Too. Or the elbow. Yeah, that's all. Because how many times then you suck on your own knuckle? <laughs> what? Do you, that's not a thing, right? That's why it's an unusual <laughs> thing, so you don't do it. You're much but more you likely suck to suck on accident- your fingers. Well, you're much more likely to accidentally. I'm not judging. I just I haven't seen you do this. If behavior. I bring in a bag of cashews and I'm po- popping those things into my mouth, they're going to go past my fingers. But rarely am I going to get a knuckle caught on a, a cashew and then put it into my mouth. So just to be clear, you don't suck your fingers. No, not intentionally. Farther down the list, the water fountain button at the uh, at the airport. The kitchen sink, uh, the comparative surface bacteria levels, a kitchen sink is about the same as an airline gate bench armrest. Mm. Uh, a bathroom doorknob <laughs> is only 203, and then the toilet seat is even cleaner than that at 172. All right, let's go live to this press conference here Garcia. on the shooting Make sure this we're morning. all ready. We're all ready. Good. We're, you're going to get them right now from everybody, okay? This is the, uh, All right, I'm going to ask you to see This is the latest side. update on this shooting at Sal Castro Middle School, sharing a campus with Belmont High School in the Westlake District, just northwest of downtown. Happened just before 9 o'clock this morning, so we're working on two hours now. 
from the original shots fired call that came in. Girl in custody. Two students were hit. 15-year-old boy hit in the head in crit- critical but stable yeah, condition. And uh, a girl who was shot in the wrist also said to be uh, about 15 years old. There were three other people that were hurt. One of them, uh, according to the police officer that briefed us earlier, was hit by shrapnel. A couple other people injured, maybe glass uh, abrasions. Uh, my name is Steve Zipperman at Z-I-P-P-E-R-M-A-N, uh, Chief Los Angeles School Police Department. Uh, we also have with us uh, Fire Department, uh, Eric Scott, who's the uh, PIO for LAFD. We have our uh, board president, Monica Garcia for LAUSD, and the LAUSD Superintendent, Vivian Etchian, along with LAPD Deputy Chief Bobby Arcos. Um, as you know, we had a prior press conference uh, immediately after this incident. And hopefully we can provide a little bit more information about this morning's event. As previously stated, just before 9 a.m. this morning, LAFD, LAPD, and L.A. School Police received information regarding a possible shooting inside of one of the classrooms at Castro uh, Middle School here on the Belmont Complex. The emergency uh, folks responded. It was very quick response. Uh, LAPD, and they will give a briefing in a second. As you know, uh, we do have, as a result of that incident, five people total have been transported to local hospitals. I will have LAFD provide the information on that. Of the five people transported, two are actually victims of, uh, appears to be uh, from a gunshot wound. And we do have a person of interest in custody that is already uh, at an LAPD facility. As you can understand, this is an ongoing investigation and LAPD is the lead investigative agency and there's only so much information we can provide. But I do want to stress once again, our campus, while it's on lockdown, is safe. There's no more safety threat to the students of this school. We want to also state that the parents of the school site, both the middle school and the high school, and even the neighboring schools. They have been contacted through what we call our Blackboard Connect, and they have been given the necessary messaging regarding this incident. The parents involved in, in the, for the students who have been affected today as a result of uh, being injured, they have been notified. Also, we have numerous parents that are calling, inquiring about the status of the school day. Uh, as of right now, the school day, although while on lockdown, and, we're, and we will hopefully have the lockdown lifted shortly, the normal school day and normal instructional day will continue. And uh, the superintendent will get more, uh, provide more information on that as far as if parents do want to uh, pick their children up early, what that process would look like. So I want to turn this over right now to uh, board, uh, I'm sorry, the superintendent, Vivian Etchin. You're listening to KFI KOST HD2 Los Angeles. Uh, Good afternoon. It's an incredibly uh, difficult situation for us as members of the L.A. Unified Community. As the superintendent, I want to express to all parents and community members that our students are safe. We will make sure that every child is reunited with a parent, a guardian, or a custodian. We will keep the students here and safe. No matter how late it is, I'll make sure that I'm here with the last child leaving this campus. 
The school campus is safe now. It is an incident that will be carefully investigated. We're incredibly saddened by the fact that it happened, but all the neighboring schools, the entire community will be on alert. We have set up a station for parents and others to ask questions, which is at the intersection of Belmont and Beverly. I want you to know we're here for our kids. We could not control or know about the situation, but our schools are safe. We remain committed to our students and communities. We will address this issue both in terms of real-time mental health support and any other type of support that is necessary for our students to be back and learning, which is their primary responsibility, our priority in keeping them safe and learning. I also want to add that even though school will continue until the end of the day, we have counselors in the classrooms. Our students will be fed. They will have opportunities to discuss as to what that means to them and we'll continue that support the following days until we have our campus back where it should be. I'd like to now introduce our school board president, Monica Garcia. Thank you, Chief. Thank you to all our first responders and the people who came together at Belmont to help our students. We are all troubled by the fact that uh, some of our young people were hurt today. We are troubled as we ask a school community to stand strong and stand together. But we must remember that healing is possible and there are many resources here across the district and the city to help our young people and their families. I am grateful to all of the people who have supported our kids, our staff, and our leaders. As we move through this investigation and help our young people return to their normal place of learning. Quiero dar las gracias a todos los aliados que se acercaron a nuestra escuela y nuestros estudiantes esta mañana. Okay, we have uh, Monica Garcia there. She's going to do the whole thing in, in Espanol. Is it weird that the kids are going back to school today? Uh, Yes. But I don't know what else. I mean, if there's so many parents that have nothing to do, I don't know. I mean, what would happen if we were... This never happened to us, so I don't even know what... Usually, classes are canceled for the rest of the day. Yes, and sometimes the rest of the week, depending on what's going on. Right. Um, Counselors have been assigned to classrooms to help them get through this. I don't understand what you would do. Maybe maybe it is a district where um, they understand that the parents do not... Can't come get the kids. You know what I mean? Right away. Yeah, well, I, that's the only thing or, I would think yeah. is that there's so many of the parents who are working and, and would not be able to come pick up their kids. And can't afford it or, or whatever the reason. Um, yeah, but so the chief of the L.A. Uh, the LA school district police did say uh, that this is for those kids who have not already left. The kids who are on lockdown right now will still go through the normal school day, even though they'll do so on lockdown. Uh I assume that while they're on lockdown, they're not changing classrooms or anything like that. I'm but, assuming uh, if you were a parent and you wanted to go get your kid, you could go get your kid. Yeah. They're not going to prevent parents I mean, from coming to pick up if, their kid. If your kid, if your daughter's in class and here there's a shooting in her classroom or whatever, you're going to want to go take her home and talk to her about it and deal with that, right? I, I, well, I also assume they mentioned that some of the kids themselves who 
they've been a little gun, pardon the pun, they've been a little shy about explaining what the exact circumstances of the shooting were, like where it was when it took place. So they haven't said if it was in a classroom, although that was the original report. If that's the case, I would imagine that every kid who was in that classroom is done for the day. They're not going to keep those kids around. Um, Not only do they have to go through, you know, what would be normal police interviews for information on what actually happened inside the classroom, but that's a traumatic experience having been in there. So I don't imagine that they would be going through the normal uh, process of the school day. Um, This is uh, we're talking about a shooting this morning at Sal Castro Middle School on West 2nd Street in the West Lake District, which is just northwest of downtown L.A. by a few blocks They did take a female student, it's believed, into custody, a young girl, and you could tell just by the picture. There were two people who were shot, in this case a 15-year-old boy who was shot in the head and put into what they say critical but stable condition, and then a 15-year-old girl who was shot in the wrist, and they say she is in fair condition. There were three others who were hurt, but they were not gunshot wounds. They were careful to point that out. Uh, 11, 12, and 30 years old, so it's believed to be a couple of students and a teacher probably, and that they suffered maybe small abrasions. They could have been hit by shrapnel or broken glass, something like that. All of this started at about 8.55 this morning when the first calls came in of shots having been fired at Sal Castro Middle School or Belmont High School. They both share a campus, so their address is listed as the same thing. Interesting that it is a female school shooter. Um, there, ha- there have been some in the uh, in the past, but let's go back to this presser now. It seems like they'll take some questions. Thank you, Chief Zipperman. Good afternoon. My name is Robert Arcos. I'm the commanding officer of Operation Central Bureau. And I just want to underscore what our school superintendent, school board president, and Chief Zipperman have expressed to you is that our campus and our surrounding community, we are safe and it is secure. We have moved from a tactical operation now into an investigative uh, component. Uh, We are unified in command here with school police and with the L.A. Fire Department. What I want to say is, as a parent, this is everyone's worst-case nightmare. Worst-case scenario and and a nightmare for all of us. But this is what I want to assure you. The response from the Los Angeles Fire Department, the Los Angeles Police Department, and the Los Angeles School Police Department was extraordinary. This city shares a great relationship with all of our city partners here, and it was shown today. Everybody worked hand-in-hand. We know what to do. We've trained for it. We've planned, and we have coordinated, and it really worked today. The response from the school district, having crisis counselors, the administrators here, was nothing short of spectacular work as well. So the surrounding community, our parents who are watching, should be assured that their children are in great care. So uh, with that... Um, but I'd like to say is the Rampart Division has the investigative lead on this uh, incident. There is a lot of work to be done, as you can imagine. There's a number of students and teachers and administrators that we will need to interview, and there will be a number of follow-ups that will come uh, from this investigation. When we have that information, when we have that information and we are sure, uh, we will begin to share that information with you. But at this point right now, it is still too early in the investigation to understand the motive, uh, what precipitated this, how that weapon was accessed, etc. I know there's a lot of questions that you may have, but at this point, we're not in a position to answer that because we just do not know yet. So uh, thank you again. Is the 15-year-old female a suspect or a person of interest? One second, please. Uh, Now I'd like to introduce uh, the uh, Los Angeles City Fire Department's uh, PIO, uh, Eric Scott. 
Uh, the Los Angeles Fire Department quickly arrived here just after, actually just before 9 o'clock. Uh, Engine 11 arrived on scene. They determined if this was a static situation, set up staging, called for additional resources. And, of course, we quickly co-located with law enforcement. As we began to triage patients, ultimately there's been a total of five that were injured. So we had a 15-year-old male that suffered a gunshot wound to the head that we placed in critical yet stable condition. We also had a 15-year-old female that suffered a gunshot wound to the wrist and we're placing in fair condition. The following three patients was a 30-year-old female, an 11-year-old male, and a 12-year-old female that all suffered abrasions. Um, we did quickly triage, treat, and transport these individuals to local hospitals where they are getting further care. In addition, we did notify the Mayor's Crosses uh, response team to join this robust group of individuals to provide care and aid to those tragically affected by this incident. Thank you, Eric. Uh, right now, what I'd like to do is invite our L.A. City Attorney, Mike Fuhrer, up here with me, if, if we could. And the reason I want uh, uh, Mike Fuhrer to join me is, before we get into any further questions that you may have, and something that is, that's, although this, because of this incident, it's important that we remind you of something, we do not know yet, and the investigation, hopefully, we will find out when the, when the right time is, how our young person on this campus ended up having the ability to have access to a firearm and bring it onto a campus. Or for that matter, any young person having access to a weapon and bringing it anywhere. We have laws that mandate that parents who own guns, any adult who owns guns, any gun owner, has an obligation to ensure that gun is locked inside a home. As I indicated, the majority of the weapons that our young people get their hands on today is a result of a weapon they get at home or from a family member's home. LAPD, LA school police, the city of Los Angeles, the city attorney's office continue to work uh, in, con in conjunction with the Safe Neighborhoods Program. And one of the main missions that we will have and we will continue to enforce is the issue of finding out how a young person had access to a weapon. And I assure you, if we find out it came from an adult from a home, that the proper prosecutorial procedures will occur. And I'm going to let City Attorney Mike Fuhrer talk a little bit about that. Thank you, Chief. Thanks very much. I want to stress what the chief just said. We don't know the facts here. We don't know how the gun got in the hand of the shooter in this case. But as a broader point, throughout our city, you have seen our office again and again prosecute adults when children get access to guns that haven't been safely stored, including times when children bring a gun to school or to another public location. There is no reason for that ever to happen. This is a very important call to action to every adult in our community who has a gun. You must store it safely and keep it out of access for any child to reach. It could result in a tragedy. It could result in a suicide or a homicide or another situation which could easily have been prevented by responsibly, safely storing weapons. Los Angeles has a law about the safe storage of weapons. The state has laws that require the safe storage of weapons. Every responsible gun owner needs to take heed to the fact that they have an obligation for all of us. 
Again, in this instance, I do not yet know the facts as to how this individual got a gun in the first place. So we're not necessarily attributing unsafe storage to this situation. It is possible we just don't know yet. But this is an opportunity for all of us in the community to understand the rules and our responsibilities. Thank you, Chief. Chief Zimmerman, can you tell us a little bit about the suspect or the person of interest you have in custody and understand? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question. Uh, once again, uh, the the question was, can can we speak about the person of interest? And and the answer is, uh, this is a Los Angeles Police Department investigation. Um, I, I will certainly allow uh, Chief Arcos to come up and uh, and probably he'll give you an answer, something pretty close to uh, it's an ongoing investigation. There's not more he can give you, but I'll let Chief Arcos answer that. I heard you already say she was 12, though. Can you yeah. confirm that the person of interest that you have in custody yeah. right now is a 12-year-old female? Yeah, I'm not sure about the exact age yet, but it is a female. And there was a question earlier if it had occurred in the, in the classroom, and yes, it did occur in a classroom. Uh, yes, what grade were the two students who were shot targeted? That's part of the investigation. We, we got a lot of work to do. I just hope you guys would all understand that. You guys have covered these stories many, many times before. Uh, let our investigators work. They're working this case very, very closely uh, with the school officials that are here and the administrators and with school police. Lots to still be determined. Uh, I've given you what I think that is um, appropriate to you at this point, and I hope that uh, that helps your, with your question for now. How many students were in the classroom? How many students were in the classroom, and have they been talked to already? Uh, the, the students that were in the classroom, I do not know the number. Uh, however, they have been um, uh, taken out of the classroom. They're secured in uh in the school auditorium, and the de- detectives are going through them, uh, in- interviewing them individually now. What grade are they in? I don't know what grade that is. Um, I, I call it, uh, again, we, we believe that uh, we, we don't know the exact number of students in the class at this time because um, when this incident occurred, um, there were numerous kids that, that ran and other kids that may have left the classroom. So the investigation will certainly determine how many kids were actually in the classroom when it occurred versus how many were in the classroom when the law enforcement arrived. Are there metal detectors in the One second, one second. Go ahead. The, the information that I received is that we appear right now the person of interest is 12 years old. Are there one second? That, that's, I'm, this is preliminary information that we have received. Okay, let, let me, uh, as far as metal detectors in the schools, first of all, uh, one thing that, that is not going to occur today is to get into any kind of debate on the issue of uh, LAUSD's uh, current random searching policy and whether or not this incident had any uh, effect on that or not. Every one of our schools, every one of our secondary schools, LAUSD has policies and procedures in place. Okay, in every one of our schools. We have numerous safety procedures in place and numerous policies that go with our safe school plans. Okay, it's okay. Thank you. Uh, no more questions. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So the, uh, I guess, biggest piece of information that has come out of this latest briefing about this uh, this school shooting at Sal Castro Middle School is the girl that they have in custody. They're calling their person of interest, twelve years old. Again, two people were shot. Fifteen-year-old boy hit in the head, critical but stable condition. Another girl hit in the wrist. 
fair condition. And three other people that had some other injuries, peripheral stuff, uh, some abrasions, maybe some glass injuries, some cuts to the face areas, but 12 years old. Other piece of information that's unique, I would say, in this situation is that L.A. Unified officials say classes will continue as usual for the rest of the day at Sal Castro Middle School. Yeah, if you're a parent, though, uh, and you've got a kid at Sal Castro Middle School, uh, they have told you to pay attention to the email system that you've signed up for to get information about what to do in the event that you want to get your kid out of class. Um, I'm curious. They, they also said to go to Belmont and Beverly for uh, it's a staging area there right. for questions. And is that where the baseball diamond is or yeah, whatever that is? So. That would make sense because they have a bunch of people waiting there. Um, I'm curious to know exactly how this goes down at Sal Castro Middle School and Belmont High School. They share a campus or at least they're adjacent. A 12 year old would make you assume junior high. The two 15 kids who were olds, shot were 15. 15 year olds can be still in junior high. I suppose um, the three others, the 11 and 12 year old, and then a 30 year old female was probably a teacher or an aide or something like that. Um, it's it's just one of those things. I, I found it interesting. The head uh, Zipperman, chief Zipperman of the L.A. police uh, schools, police clearly pointed to the parents and called out parents for not having weapons safely locked. How does a 12 year old get her hands on? A weapon like this. Well, and that's the situation. I mean, they said it's too early to know what the motive is, too early to know where she got the weapon. But one can deduce because she's 12 years old, she's not going to have access legally to a weapon. Right. So it's got to come from a parent or a, a friend of a, that has a parent that, that the gun is left out and about. Uh, the I suppose the best news or the fact that this didn't go to a oh, fatal shooting, so nobody ki- nobody's killed, is that the kid who was shot in the head, as tragic and horrible as that sounds, horrific injury that could have been, was still listed in critical but stable condition. So it's not uh, – it, it, it could have been much, much worse. Uh, and thankfully it's not to that point, although I would imagine that for the parents who were involved here, it is just an absolutely terrifying uh, event, even if you know. I mean, even if you saw that news conference just now – where the chief said everything is safe, the school is fine, the kids are secure, there's just an amount of adrenaline I don't think you escape you, from. Uh, you start going through what ifs, and then you start going through what nows. Because there is a preponderance of safety when you when you drop your kid off at school. There is an idea still, even though we've had so many of these school shootings, unfortunately, that there's an understanding that your kid's going to be safe. She or he's in the custody of the school. And it's very unsettling when your sense of safety is uh, collapsed. This is, uh, they said, I don't know, Oscar, did you hear the end of that news conference? One of the LAPD officers was uh, explaining what was going to happen next. I don't know if they're planning another news conference or if she yeah, said. Yeah, I think it's coming up at 1 o'clock. Okay. Well, if that's the case, we will definitely bring you the latest when it when it happens uh, in the 1 o'clock hour. We also have Andrew Mollenbeck, who's out there covering the story. We'll hope to talk to him as well and see what sort of things that he's been able to learn from out there on the scene. But again, Sal Castro Middle School was the scene of a shooting this morning just before 9 o'clock. Apparently a 12-year-old girl got her hands on a gun and shot two other students. A 15-year-old boy shot in the head, critical but stable condition. A 15-year-old girl shot in the wrist in fair condition. Three others were injured. They were treated and taken to local hospitals. They were uh, suffering just small abrasions is the way it was described by the fire department. And according to uh, according to district officials, 
There will be no immediate release right now. There, Even though the campus is still on lockdown, it is considered safe and secure, and they will go through their normal school day. If you have a, a student there, if you're a parent of a student there, to pay attention to what's going on on the email system that they use to uh, communicate with you about what's going on. Uh, also, according to the LAPD Twitter, they said student reunification will be at Crown Hill and Loma. And they do have a hotline for parents, uh, 213-241-1000. All right. Uh, we have some uh, some interesting news about uh, L.A.'s homelessness problem. What's going on with that and why? We'll talk about some of the numbers. But first, how about this? we got $1,000 to give away. Here's how you can win it. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. And they'll call you if you win, but if you don't answer the phone, they'll move on to somebody who will. But don't worry. you got another opportunity next hour and the hour after that to win 1000 bucks. In fact, all the way through 620 tonight on the Conway Show. And don't worry. Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, will be joining us coming up after Monica's News at the bottom of the hour to talk parenting myths joins us every thursday oh we also have a we're going to talk about weighted blankets we are i feel like we've done that no it's in here we'll talk about weighted blankets oh for kids well i think i made a mistake trends not myths trends because you have a weighted. i do have a weighted blanket blanket. for me i like it i love it i was thinking of getting one and other people who come over they go what is that i say it's a weighted blanket sit there let me put it on you and they go, I don't know about this. This feels... And then they go, oh. And immediately fall asleep. And then... <laughs> so you have other people sleep in your weighted blanket? If they choose to, sure. Okay. Mostly just relax in the weighted blanket. It sounds very nice. Listen. That's why they relax you at the dentist office. <laughs> and that's why thing. I said it. I said to my wife when I'd come home from the dentist, this is the greatest feeling ever when they put that vest on you. And I just want to fall asleep in a public place there. See, that's why you should act on your ideas, because I bet you felt that way years ago before weighted blankets existed. And some other guy felt that way. And he's decided to come up with a prototype for a weighted blanket like the dentist office blanket. And mine's a light one. Then he went and he made a bunch of money off his idea. But you didn't do anything. There was no call to action, no spring to action. So you missed out on the millions of dollars of the weighted blanket industry. You're sounding like my parents right now. Wait, you get a blanket at the dentist's office? Well, it's just the thing they put put on x-rays. Yeah, the lead blanket, the lead vest they put on you. (laughs) I'm like, can you tell me what dentist's office you go to? That sounds nice. They also feed me me Oreos, too. (laughs) Uh, All right. L.A.'s homelessness problem has surged 75 percent in six years. That's the uh, that's the L.A. Times headline. As many as 20 people are taking up the city hall lawn on any given day right across from the LAPD headquarters. Uh, The the city hall lawn is. Let me change that word. The city hall lawn can be a beautiful place. But we have seen an increase in the number of homeless people who are not staying in shelters. Uh, We're up to 55,000 is according to the Department of Housing, Urban Development and the L.A. Homeless Services Authority. And because homelessness has swept up downtown, Skid Row is now Skid Grid. um, It falls on the on the shoulders of the LAPD. This is now the LAPD's problem. They're the first line of defense They're the first responders. They're everything. And that's not right. There was an op-ed in the L.A. Times by a guy named Jamil Smith, and 
his point is that it's not fair to the homeless people, that cops are generally not licensed and trained mental health providers. Yet there was a city report a couple of years ago found more than a million dollars spent on homelessness from the city's general fund. Uh, much of it went to arrests, skid row patrols and mental health interventions by police. I believe in that, that that's not fair to the homeless people because they're dealing with people who are not trained in mental illness. And on the flip side, hey, that's not fair to the police officers who sign up to serve and protect. They're not mental health specialists. They don't they don't want to sign up to go work at uh, the, the rescue mission. God bless the people's hearts who do sign up for that. But that's not what police officers sign up for. And more and more of their time is being spent on this. And then you got to ask yourself, if more of their time is being spent on policing skid grid, what other crimes are being committed? What? Uh, where is their attention being taken away from? Well, we've we've asked the question: What? How do you solve that problem? Then I think how many hundreds of people have been asking that question? Hundreds of people in power who have the ability to do something, and I don't know if there's a great answer to it. I mean, along those lines, you can set up a whole new agency yes. that does nothing but. Um, the the mental health aspect of law enforcement work because there's got to still be a law enforcement um, angle to it, the work that they do, but the concentration would be more on mental health, uh, drug treatment, drug interdiction, that sort of thing on in that skid row, skid grid area. It sucks that we've come to a place in the city where we have to have a dedicated team or agency to go out and kind of be an intermediary or kind of a hybrid situation between keeping people in line and offering them mental health help if they want it. But if that's where we are, that's where we are. Let's not ignore it and just put the problem on the police officers' backs. One of the things in that LA Times article, not the op-ed piece that Shannon was talking about, but the LA Times article was that it compared uh, other cities to Los Angeles when it comes to sheltering homeless people. And in terms of the number of beds and those that are taken up by people who are homeless compared to the people who are uh, just sleep unsheltered is the way that they describe it. You've got places like New York City, Salt Lake City that are near 100 percent in terms of the people who are sheltered. But that's a misleading number because you can survive year round in L.A. on the street with very little finger quotes shelter, you know. A, a mild sleeping bag will get you through a night uh, in downtown Los Angeles. A mild sleeping bag will kill you in New York City or Salt Lake City. So it's not it, – that to me is a misleading number to suggest that we're way down into the low 20 percent in terms of the number of homeless people that we shelter and then suggesting that that's uh, – that, that we're not keeping up with the ways uh, of other cities. So that's all. All right. Justin Warsham's going to come along in just a couple minutes. We're going to talk about – Parenting trends that we can look forward to in this next year. Mm. Mm. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. Hey, on Thursdays, we get to welcome in Justin Warsham, host of The Dad Podcast. Throwing a curveball at you really quickly, though. Hit me. Because we've been just covering the story of the shooting at South Castro Middle School over in the Westlake District. 12-year-old girl in custody. 
Uh, two kids shot, one 15-year-old boy shot in the head, one 15-year-old girl shot in the wrist. This is a, as a parent, this is a nightmare scenario. Uh, and I know that you work closely with your kid's school. Is this something that's brought up in the meetings yes. that you go to and yes. emergency stuff like so this? So I'm a I'm the chair of the site council and the school safety council oh my at my kids' God, elementary that school. Terrible. Hashtag humblebrag. But um, <laughs> but no, we we do talk. They, there's uh, there's training that's coming up. The only person at say my kids' school uh, we did find this out that's been through what they call active shooter training is the administrator. Uh, but they're because of unfortunate incidences like this and. It was so sad in the conference where, you know, he's kind of scolding the reporters like, you guys are used to covering these kinds of things, right. which is, to me, the, the the almost saddest part about it, just that it bec- you become jaded to it. But she wants everybody to get trained because it, it becomes frequent. It's been, uh, just as a side note, one of the first story, major stories that I covered as a reporter was the Columbine High School shooting in oh. Inglewood. Uh, and I, or Colorado, that is. And I re- that was almost 20 years ago. And every year since then, there have been any number of school shootings. And that, I mean, that's a a weird defining portion, I guess, of our society right now. Yeah. And it's, a, I mean, it's a sad thing that, that it's even a discussion to talk about. And they have, uh, they have disaster training, too, that they go through where we had, for the shakeout is what we do. But it's an annual thing uh, we, where they act like something horrible has happened and the kids get pulled out of the building. Like the, the example is the earthquake was the one we just did. And they have parents come and pretend to be frantic and try to take as many kids as they can so they can figure out because they obviously don't want to hang on to kids. And, and it's, I, I think it's smart that they think this stuff through the administrator kind of said, she goes, we have cell phones now. So if you could take a picture of the person who's taking the kid and if the kid is okay with walking away with that adult, which is a complete violation, right? And kind of unnerving, but at the same time, in a, in a matter of crisis, if you're all the way out wherever and mm-hmm. everything is 45 minutes away in LA and you're trying to get back, I would much rather that my sons are with their stay at home mom friend. There is a, uh, there was a low-level emergency at my kid's school where they had to uh, close the campus and get everybody out of there. And it took – it was low-level. No one's life was in danger or anything like that. But it it was the first time that the school had experienced something like that. So the system that they had set up was horrific. Oh. I mean, just mind-numbingly stupid in terms of the way it was set up, only because they've never had to do anything like that before. Obviously, the, the kinks have been – some of the kinks have been worked out. They figured out some of that stuff. And, but, but it's just, as a parent, it's a frustrating thing to see as somebody, anybody. I mean, remember your time in school. It's a frustrating thing to see and watch. And let me know if you guys want to pivot away from this but because I know it's a big story. But I'm, I'm curious, Gary, is for me when this stuff happens, I always, and I don't know why, it always upsets me. But the first thing I do is like I over-personalize it. And I imagine that that's one of my kids. I can't help it. I don't I don't know why. It doesn't seem rational. Do you do the same thing? Or uh, no? no. I mean, only because I think of the the extreme, um, extremely tiny likelihood that it would happen. Yeah. You know, it's more likely that my kid's going to get hurt in a car accident or, you know, die in a car wreck than then they would be hurt in a school shooting. Although... They don't think about the school shoot. I mean, I mean, they don't think about the car wreck, and we don't either. Right. But we see these very high profile events like this. That's, that's how I talk myself is. off the ledge. Is yeah. that I'm like these are isolated incidents. Yeah. You know, no matter what, and yeah. Anyway, all right. Let's talk about some fun stuff. We're talking about some of these parenting trends. We 
actually talked a little bit about this off the air a couple yes. of days ago. Some of these great <laughs> parenting trends that are coming. Top up. parenting trends of 2018 revealed. This this is uh, probably the one. Uh, let's kick this off because I because this is the one that piqued your interest, Gary Hoffman. Uh, up two hundred. These are so what they did was Pinterest released uh, like uh, results of the, the top searches in like a parenting category. And how they were grown over the last 12 months. And up 259% are saves involving weighted blankets Mm -hmm. where you can make them yourself. Uh, They found that it's a very effective therapy to calm down high sensory kids or high energy kids. Um, And I know that it's also a common therapy used uh, with kids who fall somewhere on the spectrum of autism as well. Um, I don't know a lot it, about that, but it works in animals and uh, dogs yes. that are hyperactive. Get, Maybe you just want to be held vest. all the time. But you Possibly. love this. You lo- you personally, Gary Hoffman, love this feeling. You have one at your house and couldn't even really explain why. I mean, right. I, I noticed it when I would go to the dentist and they put the lead vest on me and I felt it just felt relaxing. And even I not all the time. It's not like I go home and the first thing I do is throw this on like a <laughs> robe or something face. like that. But but don't if, talk to dad. If I'm laying on a couch or he's with his blanket. <laughs> this blanket is a Tom Collins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if it's it's a it's just a thing. It can get warm under there. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It can get a little heated. Uh, but if if I'm taking a nap on a cold day or something like that, if for some reason it's just it's, such a Shannon, help me with this because when you the perception of Gary is not one. Of high energy, like what they're saying, this mm-hmm. helps with kids. This is like your hyperactive kid, well, and it kind of weighs him down. But I feel like this is a physical representation of like weighing down his active thought process. Is that right? Do you think he goes in there and his brain kind of shuts down too, or no? I think his brain shuts down after two p.m. every day. Perfect. I don't think a lot goes on in there because he's just. Have so... you been talking to my wife again? <laughs> and and he furthermore, never talks to my me. other theory. <laughs> Is that well, no, Shannon, one, of the, the Florida, Shannon. one of the first things we learned about Gary is that he enjoys a 20 second hug, which for most of us, no, everybody is a enjoys long. a 20 second I don't, hug. I don't need 20 seconds. Believe, so, no, no, no. If uh, Oscar so walked if, in here right now so, and hugged you for 20 seconds, you'd have a smile on your face. It'd be a little long. A little be a little. I mean, Oscar gives great hugs. You'd be surprised. But right around that 13, 14 second mark, you kind of let yourself go. And that's a difference between you and I, and one that I'm highlighting right now because I do think that he likes to be held. Longer the better. Oh, so the, the weighted dun, dun, blanket dun. holds him. Yes. You know? It's like the eternal hug of sleep. Yes. Well put, Shannon. I like, like it. like a line death? from Shakespeare or something. Well, it does I'm, sound I'm, like death, I'm doesn't a, it? I'm yeah. a wordsmith, guys. I know stuff. That's what you words. do. That's what you do. All right. Coming <laughs> so if you want to, oh, uh, the, the, can the, I give one quick stat out? Yeah. yeah. If you're going to make your own weighted blanket, it is one pound of white or clear plastic quality pellets per 10 pounds of person. Or just buy one. Or you could do that too. Um, One of my favorite new trends is we're going back to wooden toys, which were the toys of Gary's youth. Uh, The pendulum has swung. I have a baseball. I'm not saying anything wrong. I was using My brother grew up with more wooden toys than I did. Just take it. It's going to get weird. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, top of the hour, we are going to get an update from Andrew Mullenbeck, who is out at South Castro Middle School, the scene of a shooting today. 12-year-old girl, unusual, apparently shot a couple of classmates or a couple of other students. A 15-year-old boy shot in the head, 15-year-old girl shot in the wrist. 
Uh, they're both listed in stable condition. The boy critical, but the girl is listed fair. So we'll talk about that at the top of the hour. We are talking to Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast. We talk to Justin every Thursday about parenting uh, from a dad's perspective in many cases. And one of the trends for 2018 is uh, colorful plastic toys are passe. Yeah, Parents are going after the wooden options now instead. And they want, uh, it's like a, a going back to pioneer days. They want everything to be the same color in a nursery, like very, not a, not a bunch of different colors. Like you'll have like grays and blues and maybe so, like a very simple pastel uh, color palette. Please don't do that with your hands. When What's you wrong? Start. Nobody could see that. Bothering That's... me. <laughs> Go on. Well, this is the closest I've been to like a, you, a you, red you, carpet reporter in my life. You remind me of, uh, <laughs> you remind me of Frank from the uh, Father of the Bride movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, Shaw, right? you have a I bit of Frank in you as well. Easy, yeah. Easy. Everybody gets a little Franky. Sorry. But uh, it is interesting to me because I think what's what only is going to happen is in 15 to 20 years, we're going to uh, read some medical journal being published saying that growing up in monochromatic nurseries has uh, robbed children of their imagination of course, and creativity. Some, somebody <laughs> will write that. Right. Because you mentioned the pendulum swinging, and I think that's all this is. It, right. it goes one way all the way to the right. Cause they, and I think it's also because parents... It's a very hip. What was the word? Chic boho mm. is the uh, de- decorative style. If I never is- hear the word chic boho on this program again, <laughs> I will be satisfied. It is a bohemian, hippie bohemian style started by, uh, believed to be started by Sienna Miller in 2005 and Mary Kate Olson here in the States. Moving on. Yes, uh, ma'am. Feminist parenting. <laughs> yes. What's that all about? Well, because of the, you know. Time's up. Yep. Time's up. Me too. So now it is a, it is a huge thing for parents to talk to their kids about things like consent body confidence, uh, and and all of that, no matter what your gender is. And starting with the just don't be a D to other people. Mm, I feel like from what, I, for, from what I'm seeing is it's not just about being a D, that it, 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 it goes that extra step of specifically making about when is it okay to touch someone, when is it okay to make a, a move. It's, I'm really curious to see how parents navigate this with teenagers. I wish I had one so I could I, – I know personally, and it makes me sound like a – Total nerd, but can I say something? Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Everybody says that. I, I don't know if anyway. I told it here. I, have, I had a mom when I was doing stand up, and I, I talk about having kids and potty training and stuff like that on my stand up. And I had this mom who came up to me after the show, very seriously, deadpan in the eyes, and said, "When they're fifteen, you'll wish they were crapping in their pants again." <laughs> and then I chuckled, and she just disappeared into darkness. Yeah. No laugh, no nothing. But I, I am curious because. My kids, my plan, I have two sons, and so my game plan for them is just to raise them to be perfect gentlemen and to <laughs> understand that there is a certain that, – that sex means something very, very different to them than it does the girls uh, that they're into. If they're into dudes, then have at the go nuts, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to help you. That's a better way of saying it. <laughs> You're venturing into I, a land I have never visited. Exactly. I'm here to talk to you about it. Um, but the, uh, the one I like is this new trend of uh, legalizing marijuana. That uh, the wine mom could actually turn into the weed mom. And I've read research that showed, which I don't, I can't buy into. I, I tried to dig deeper into the study because I found this study a while ago that said that just by getting a little tipsy in front of your kids increases their chances of developing depression in their teenage years. And depression? I, yeah. And I'm, and I'm trying to wrestle with this because here's the thing. I think if you need booze or weed to get through your day as a parent... Sure, your kids are probably going to be depressed. There's because, other issues. Yes. Yeah. But if if I'm a dad who's literally on multiple occasions taken a hit of tequila, 
just to keep myself at an even keel. Because, That's good. Yes, at a certain well, point, it's it, not the kid's fault that I'm tired and cranky. But here, let me... Not all the time. Let me use this as a scenario um, in terms of how not to do it. Okay. Uh, and I'm not saying I've done this or that I've learned from my mistakes, but I'm just, talking just for imagining a for a friend. <laughs> in the middle of the argument, like in the middle of a discussion... Do not then say, I cannot do this, and then reach over and grab the whiskey bottle and just say, time out. All right, now whatever you have to say doesn't hurt as much. No, you should drink like in private and then have the conversation. Go well, hide in your closet. Glug, 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 then come out and be a yes. different person. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't don't use it as a salve for uh, whatever pain you may be going through in the immediate. The other thing that's growing is uh, tiny, what they're calling tiny trackers. And they're not talking about GPS trackers. They're talking about uh, journals and memory books. There's baby bucket lists, which are things that you try to do with your loved one or by yourself before your baby. Mm. You with me, Gary? Mm-hmm. Before your baby is born. And on top of that, there's baby bucket list, which is a very creepy term in my opinion. That you do in the first year with baby. So mom and baby or family and baby will have these lists of things that they want to accomplish with baby in the first year. Uh, another growing trend is a baby moon. Did you have a baby moon, Gary? Mm. I'm pretty I sure this know. has to happen in the last five you years. you got to have a little trip before the yeah. baby pops out. It's like a honeymoon, but as it's a, a baby moon. As a father, you are responsible for planning, and they, they recommend – I'm not kidding. There's tons of suggestions all over the Internet for this where they suggest in the second trimester because that's the least likelihood for you to experience morning sickness. But it needs to be romantic and relaxing at the exact same time. Uh, my favorite thing is they recommend checking in with the CDC to make sure the area that you're going to is safe to travel to <laughs> because of the Zika outbreak. Well, we didn't do baby moons. Yeah. That was before baby moons started. That was before even push presents started. Oh, that's it. You really, you lucked out. Push present. You get your wife a piece of jewelry for her pushing out the baby. I gave her a baby. Why don't you love your wife? Time's up. Hey, next one is gender neutral birth certificates. Gender neutral birth certificates are big in Canada territories. Non-binary gender option on birth certificates. Uh, Mom jewelry. This one I really like. They're making mom jewelry that's very pretty and decorative out of silicone, like what you would cook like your eggs with and stuff or make your fancy cocktail ice cube trays. Oh, yeah, yeah. The silicone, they're making mom jewelry out of that. It looks nice and decorative so that when you're holding the baby, the baby can just chew on it, and it also serves as a teething ring or t- – uh, <laughs> What? I like that idea. Why is it wrong with that one? <laughs> I wouldn't want my baby chewing on the on – the- but it's jewelry. meant for that. I know. Well, but... they chew on regular jewelry, so why not make it out of silicone and make it soothing for them? You throw your necklace in the freezer before you head out, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, I silicone like, it. like a breast implant silicone? Is yes. that what we're talking about? Why is everybody so uptight about silicone? No, not like a breast impre- implant. I mean, it is, yes, but it's more closer to like a, it's colored. I, am I not describing No, I know. Way? It's like one of those rings that you can wear <laughs> yes. when you're working out. Or the Andy like Dalton that. wedding ring. Yeah. I was hanging out with a, a friend of ours who, who had, a, had a bracelet made of those, and it looked it was a bunch of like those silicone balls, but they were all like linked together, and she could just take it off and give it to the baby, and the baby could gnaw away on it. Gnaw yeah. away. That's what babies do. The other big one, and I think I want to try, I want to pitch to you guys the Uh-oh. idea of me coming in and doing a book report every now and then is a global <laughs> parenting. There is a there is a new series of books that are being released or just have been released that are basically for people here in the States to say, here's why America's doing it wrong as a parent. Do it the way Germans do it. Like this book I'm reading right now is called Achtung Baby, An American Mom on the German Art of Raising Self-Reliant Children by Sarah Zasky. 
I'm just cracking this up. There's another one that's uh, called the Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mom that talks about the Chinese perspective on parenting. There's another one called uh, How Eskimo Moms Keep Their Babies Warm. <laughs> wow. I almost don't want you to come back because every time you come in here, I have to explain something to my wife. And this is one example. She just texted, no, I never got a push present. <laughs> or a and, and it was a thing. Oh, really? Wow. Like, I guess it was a thing back then. Somebody's got some shopping to do. If it helps you to get out of uh, your timeout that you're going to be in when you head home, Gary, my dad didn't even <laughs> have a honeymoon. He did not do my my mom. My, my parents were divorced, and my dad, so this is his second go-round, and they did, like, a wedding in our backyard because we were broke, and then three months go by, still no honeymoon, and my mom just sat there kind of politely waiting, and then at the third month mark, she goes, where's my honeymoon? Where is my honeymoon? Seriously, that's what happens when you stay quiet about something like Uh, that, and then it all erupts. Justin, thank you. Catch Justin on the dadpodcast.com and here every Thursday. Andrew Mullenbeck is going to join us right after the top of the hour for the latest on that shooting at Sal Castro Middle School right here on Gary and Shannon. My AM640, more stimulating talk. Well, every day at this time, we catch up to speed with everything that's going on everywhere, everything everyone's talking about. And we start off today with the huge uh, local story here as a school shooting. Andrew Mullenbeck has the, uh, has the latest. What's going on? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Uh, what we know right now is a person 12 years old, a girl at Castro Middle School, shot two of her classmates at the school. They're 15 years old. Now, one of those classmates uh, was hit in the head. He is said to be in critical uh, but stable condition right now. The other student uh, was shot in the wrist, uh, obviously going to be just fine. Uh, Three other people at the school had other uh, types of injuries related to shrapnel. Now, that 12-year-old student has been taken to a police station. Uh, They're even just calling her a person of interest right now, but they believe that she was the one who uh, fired the shots. What's not clear, well, a couple of things, really. What's not clear is if she intended to shoot anybody, uh, why uh, she may have shot a couple of people, and even how she got the gun into the school. Uh, Now, uh, this school, like many others, does not have magnetometers, anything that uh, students have to pass through to enter the building. There are, at times, random searches uh, to see if students have weapons. She was apparently not one of those today and made it in with a gun. And again, one student, the, the more critical one, shot in the head. They mentioned a few other injuries, but all of them just uh, abrasions or shrapnel? Right, uh, related to breaking glass or anything else uh, that may have happened. But this was all in a classroom. Uh, during the school day, just before 9 o'clock today. And uh, talk, we, talking with some parents uh, still outside the school right now, it's, it's kind of an interesting scene in that there are these parents desperately, if you can imagine, trying to see their kids, and they haven't been able to do so yet. I came straight here to see if I could get the, the kids out of the school, but um, they haven't let us uh, talk to them or, or anything like that yet. And that's because the school day is continuing. Uh, For quite a while, it was on lockdown. Uh, But even now, after a shooting at the school, the school day uh, is continuing. I guess we can't say as normal because I'm uh, certain that it's not like that inside. But there is a school day going on. And I talked to this mother a little bit further about what it was like getting that call this morning. 
It's horrible. I mean, I see it in the news, but it's always far away schools, not here. You know, I went to Belmont uh, when I when I went to high school, so never seen anything like that in this neighborhood. So it's pretty shocking. It's, it's horrifying for the kids too. You know. So again, the questions will be: How did this gun get in the school? Uh, how did the twelve-year-old get the gun? Yeah. Right. Know, where did that How did come the 12, from? And, yeah. and all, the, the city attorney showed up to the last update that we had uh, because uh, one of his big campaigns has been uh, parents safely locking up any guns that they have because they have been prosecuting adults who don't properly have their guns locked away, and then uh, kids or even a guest at the home could could get into them. And so that's something that the city attorney's office is looking at. And again, what relationship, if any, uh, did this 12-year-old have to these 15-year-old students? And of course, the the recovery of this 15-year-old shot in the head. Andrew, as you mentioned, uh, classes are going to continue for the rest of the day. It was one of the odd things we thought that came out of this news conference. I'm assuming that if parents want to go pick up their kids, they can do so. I have not seen that, to be honest. And I was wondering the same thing. I've been around the school and there are a, a bunch of parents uh, standing outside the police yellow tape and some others on a, a baseball field. I suppose if they demanded that their student leave, it, maybe that's happening. I just can't say that I've seen that. I've seen a bunch of parents waiting to uh, see their, their students at, at the end of the day. And, and again, well, that mother that I just played for you a little while ago, she has two students in the school, and, and she's just desperate to be able to talk with them. Andrew, thank you. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. We'll be staying on top of that throughout the day. Any uh, additional details, we will share them. There may be a news conference at the uh, top of the 1 o'clock hour, so if that's the case, we'll bring that to you as well. Some of the other stuff that's going on. Time for What's Happening. Natalie Wood's death remains a mystery. Four decades after it happened, nearly four decades, uh, she drowned off the coast of Catalina, I believe it was, 1981. Robert Wagner, her husband at the time, on that yacht along with with another guy, and he has now been declared a person of interest. She was the only woman on board that night? She was. I thought there was a whole party or something, but it's, no, just, sir. it's just her... Um, Robert Wagner, Robert Wagner, Christopher Walken, yes. and the captain of the boat, a guy named Dennis Davern. Now, Dennis it was Davern. at the time it was uh, deemed an accidental drowning, but she had alcohol in her system. I think her blood alcohol level was like 0.14, some traces of medication. There was an insinuation that she may have slipped. It is widely reported that her and Robert Wagner, they were married twice, um, and this was during their second marriage, obviously, and they had had an argument before this happened. And so everyone's always been kind of tight-lipped about what went on on that boat that night. Yeah, strange. Um, Penn is going to remove the Wynn Commons name. University of Pennsylvania trustee Steve Wynn. Uh-huh. Uh, the university announced today it's going to revoke Wynn's honorary degree. He got it about 12 years ago. They're going to take the name Wynn Commons off of a common area outside of Houston Hall remove his scholar uh, his name from the scholarship fund that he established by donation. They're also revoking the honorary degree that they gave to uh, to Bill Cosby also. Oh, Canada is going to be changed. The Canadian Senate has passed a bill that changes the text of its national anthem to make it gender neut- neutral. It'll change the words in all thy sons command to in all of us command. You hate that. I don't hate it. That's all I'm going to say. 
Monopoly is releasing, uh, releasing a special edition of Monopoly made just for my son. <laughs> and my father. Uh, if you've ever tried to uh, to sneak some cash from the bank at Monopoly um, like Calvin does or uh, throw a couple extra houses on Park Place when you didn't buy them. Or interpret one of those cards completely different <laughs> from what it says. In addition to the community chest and chance cards in the new edition of Mon- Mon- Monopoly, Monopoly, they'll each come with a stack of 15 cheat cards. And during at any point, you can you can try to fulfill um, uh, the cheat card at any point in the game. One of the cheats would be steal money from the bank, place a hotel on one of your properties, collect rent for someone else's property. Condoms are in the news because the Olympics are in the news. Enough uh, condoms are going to be distributed for each athlete to have 37 of them. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> I mean, if you were surrounded by heavenly no, bodies. No, in the Winter Olympics, <laughs> no. Um, they the, don't have heaters? The problem is, a lot. this is, first of all, it's an average. So someone might use one and Ugh. someone would use 75. Uh, the you other, know, you just, maybe, if you're, with, maybe if, you're, if you're with the same person, but they're just banging around out there. Yeah. That's, why That's not gonna, healthy. The other thing is. A lot of these people are going to bring home a dozen of them as souvenirs. How many right? babies are made in the Olympics? Zero. It's too cool. <laughs> I'd like to see those figures. Uh, the, uh, America's top 20 most hated companies when we come back to the Gary and Shannon show. Yeah, we might be a candle in the wind, but let's pretend we're brand Details coming out of the school shooting there in the Westlake area. At Salvador Castro Middle School, 12-year-old girl, the shooter. The parents are now starting to talk to the media. Again, she hit two people, a 15-year-old boy in the head, critical but stable condition, and a 15-year-old girl in the wrist who's in fair condition. One of the parents there, Claudia, says her 12-year-old son was crying when he used someone else's cell phone to call her. Uh, this is very low-income families that serve uh, that, that, that this school serves, so not all these kids have cell phones, and so some of the phones were borrowed. And... Uh, And she said that her crying son told her he was in a classroom next to the classroom where the shooting happened. He heard the gunshot. He knew the suspect. Now, we'll get into this coming up in the next hour. The district has a policy that requires every middle and high school campus to conduct daily random searches by metal detector wands at different hours of the school day for students in the sixth grade and up which would have included this school. Now, they haven't said whether or not students at this school were subject to any of the weapons screenings today. Uh, There are no uh, metal detectors at the school. But just something to to follow up on. I had I did not know that. I did I not either. know they did random weapons. We'll do that up at uh, more at one o'clock. Uh, we do have a thousand dollars to give away. Here's how you can win it. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword bills to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bills to two hundred two hundred. Uh, and answer the phone, please. They would uh, they'll call you if you're going to win. To that $1,000, if you don't win, they'll move on to somebody else who will. Uh, and then there's another opportunity an hour from now and an hour from then and an hour from then all the way through 620 tonight on the Conway Show. We got into trouble with one of our good friends. A little personal housekeeping. Personal housekeeping. Yesterday at this time, we were talking about the Taylor Swift story. And uh, I made a flippant 
uh, uncalled for comment that one of our coworkers might actually do something like that, knowing that Brian Suits would never do something like that. Uh, but it's worth uh, bringing Brian on to uh, to apologize. Brian, I apologize ahead, for what I said. Her. Go ahead, caller. No, I, <laughs> and, and, you know, I know it wasn't malicious, and I know, you know, I, I got the joke, and you got the joke, and Shannon got the joke, and Oscar possibly got the joke, and Blake did. You know, but what the audience heard was that I'm more likely to grab celebrity ass than Wayne Resnick when the joke is that it's the opposite. Well, you know, it's, it's like Wayne was really upset it's like, this it's morning. Like saying, it's, it's, it's like saying, well, we have a bottle of vodka. Where can we hide it? Let's like, where would it be safest? Oh, let's put it in Brian's office. And the, the the joke on two levels is that that's the last place it would be safe. And secondly, I don't have an office. Well, listen, <laughs> here's the thing. You, I know. I have, and, I have the number one show in Los Angeles on Saturday night. On I know you showed me that. For the first that. time in 20 years, but I don't have an office. You showed me the numbers. Here's the thing. you. I know you. I've known you for 20 years almost. Uh, Shannon knows this as well. We consider you the least likely to do it. That's why we said it as, well, as and the an thing inside is, is joke. We brought up Wayne and you because we thought in our heads, well, who will A, get a kick out of this? And B, who are, are arguably the smartest people in the building that would never be stupid enough to grab a handful of bottom? Uh, but we can understand how the joke is not not everybody gets the joke, and we're dumb. We're and dumb. It means inappropriate in yeah. terms of the timing, the, cons- <clears throat> the 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 environment that we find ourselves. in. We might even uh, create a dumbass alarm on the show now for when we do dumbass. By stuff. everybody not by everybody not getting the joke, you mean the hundreds of thousands of people on the other side of the fifty thousand watt blowtorch that KFI is. Right. So you, no, is that what you mean? And to that point, you're right. I mean, there's you, we know that you're not likely to do that. You're the least likely guy around here to do that. But you're right in that we're assuming that a lot of people know you like we do and we know that that's not the case. Well at least eight people got the joke. Because I did laugh. I think Oscar got I would I would say nine. And no, I, and Oscar also, knew they, we were dumbasses. When, when Gary <laughs> attempted to retract it, he he lied because he said I he, that I've never grabbed his ass, and that's a blatant lie. Because um, uh, as we all know, Gary has a great ass, but he's a coworker, so I stopped doing that five years ago. It is. Like and then a peach. pro tip for producer Oscar. Oscar, here's a pro tip. Next time they're doing a go-around about who's likely to grab a celebrity's ass, don't offer up yourself as most likely. I think he was, was trying, trying to, to fall ju- on the I was sword. Trying to defuse the situation. <laughs> and, uh, oh, he goes, oh, me? And it kept going, <laughs> so. who's, who's most likely to shoplift? All right, how about that? I think it's just a sad note in 2018 that we can't joke about grabbing ass anymore. And you're right. No, we can't. I agree. I agree. And then, and then as we all agree, you know, what stays in the Gary – what happens in the Gary and Shannon office – Stays in the Gary and Shannon office. You know, I think that'd be a great radio show when we sit around and talk the way we do. But it's, I, we, you'd be violating FCC rules with our couch jokes and things like that. We, we can't talk about that stuff on the air, so we don't. The first rule of couch jokes, we don't talk about couch jokes. What couch? And when the second rule is you don't make couch jokes. <laughs> Brian, well, thank listen, you, and you know we love you. I, and we know you would never grab Taylor Swift's ass because you don't even think she's hot to begin with. Well, and secondly, she doesn't have one. Right. Noted. All right. Uh, are we good? 
Am I part of the problem now? No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah, but my daughter was homesick yesterday, so you're going to have to apologize personally to her. I will gladly do that. I will gladly do that on Sunday. If I choose to come. Yeah, you choose. It's up to you. Uh, All right. Thank you. Thank you for taking time. Thank you, caller. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I clearly overestimated the humor quotient and underestimated the potential reaction. So I I apologize. Yeah. We're dumb sometimes. And it's okay that we're called out on it. Hey, Swamp Watch, when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Gary and Shannon. Big questions remain about the mysterious memo. Memo. Memo Kate is uh, Capitol Hill. Kenneth Moten has been uh, covering the story and helping us uh, figure out what is going on. First of all, what's the latest on whether or not the president wants to release this Republican memo? I'm calling it memo mania, guys. Okay, um, love it. That's fine. That's that's what's happening around here, and the president wants this memo out. Um, we were just told moments ago on Air Force One when the president was coming back from that GOP retreat in West Virginia that the president most likely will sign off tomorrow um, to have that memo released. We know the past couple of days, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly has been working with FBI career officials um, on certain points of the memo about what to redact, if anything. And once the White House and the president sign off on it, then it kicks back to Congress and to that House Intelligence Committee, and then it will be up to Congress to actually physically print it out, email it, release it to us. This whole process of it revealing what's in this memo has never been used before. You know, when it comes – this is rare – um, and this is one that, you know, seeing the Intelligence Committee actually have to vote on this, and obviously it was all – it was very partisan. The Republicans on that House Intelligence Committee voted to to uh, release it, to make it public. The Democrats, they cried foul. They still are. Uh, they even said that, you know, obviously that Congressman Nunes is – he uh, redact- he either altered or redacted something before sending it to the White House for the president's review. They say that was a violation of House rules. They're calling for him to be removed, which likely will not happen because House Speaker Paul Ryan just uh, moments ago uh, backed him and said that the chairman – uh, did everything by the book, and that this is about oversight. This is about oversight over the FBI, and that they believe there were certain abuses, possibly, or alleged abuses, of the FISA court. And the FISA court is FISA surveillance warrants. Um, that's what the FBI uses to get surveillance on private citizens here in the U.S., and they were saying that was done on a Trump associate which helped start the, the Russia investigation. And so they, even though House Speaker Paul Ryan said that this does not undermine the Russia investigation, you've got Democrats say this is once again the Republicans and President Trump trying to undermine this investigation to Russia election meddling. So the information in the memo is supposed to contain information about how the FBI and the Justice Department were able to obtain the warrants to look into the campaign and its possible involvement in collusion with Russia into the election. And Trump's people have said, well, this is going to show that the FBI used this uh, dossier information that the DNC actually commissioned and that the FBI in turn is using shady practices for an excuse to investigate 
who is now President Trump. Um, But now the FBI is saying that they're having a problem with releasing this, not because it shows that they had engaged in shady practices, but because there's so many things omitted um, that it lo- it, it may appear t- that way um, because things like uh, sensitive law enforcement methods and maybe other things that they would have used to obtain the warrant are not going to be found in this memo. Right, because they've been redacted, they're classified. And that's why the FBI says, look, we have grave concerns about this. And we've hearing behind the scenes that the FBI director – Christopher Ray, tapped by President Trump, also has expressed those concerns um, and wants to hold off on any type of release of this memo. Um, there were, you know, there were reportedly that reports that Ray was going to quit if this memo came out, which would be the second such report about Ray threatening to quit if something, um, it, you know, something happened that he didn't agree with. The, the White House President Trump did, but uh, our sources say that Ray has not threatened to quit, that he won't quit if this memo is released. So if tomorrow this is uh, the president makes this decision and signs off on it, you mentioned it goes back to Congress. When do you think is the earliest that we would be able to see it? It could be early next week, um, I would expect, even though now you've got Republicans on the Senate Intelligence Committee saying they want to see the memo before it's released to the public. So you've got uh, more people chiming in. Um, you've got senators you know, chiming in as well. And so I, I think this back and forth is going to continue for a few more days before the public actually sees this memo. So when they see it, uh, it's three to four pages long. But with all these redactions we're hearing about, with all these objections we're hearing about, it might be like a one or two lines that you get to read. <laughs> it could be. It's probably going to be more than that. But uh, um, at this point, I mean, it, the imagination is going wild on what we're actually going to see in this memo. It would be uh, four, three and a half pages long and uh, four sentences that aren't redacted. <laughs> right. So, all right. Kenneth, thank you. Thanks, guys. Kenneth Motz on there with the latest on what's going on with this uh, this memo mania, this um, memo that would potentially potentially show that there were some surveillance abuses uh, on behalf of the Justice Department, specifically the FBI. I just don't understand how you can draw conclusions on what they use to go after this warrant if you have part of the information. Well, and that's the, the confusion that I have is why wouldn't if, – if Republicans believe that their information is correct, the stuff in the Devin Nunez memo is correct and the truth, why wouldn't they allow the Democratic version of the memo? Because the Democrats have crafted one as well that they voted down and would not allow to be released. I, I mean it's one of those things where you, you wouldn't disallow me to look at both sides and make my own decision about it. Or you shouldn't – make that decision for me that makes sense yeah so it's a it's a yes i mean they're both going to accuse the other of of picking and choosing cherry picking the information and using those data points to draw some conclusion but let me do it i'm a grown-up i can do that i mean sometimes i'm a grown-up we've already established that never mind coming up more coming up next more swamp watch talking is hard it is it is here's your service animal Shannon, about a half an hour, we are going to get an update from County USC on the condition of the students hurt at the school shooting today at Castro Middle School, just west of downtown Los Angeles. Happened this morning. 
12-year-old girl in custody as a person of interest said to be the shooter. Hit a 15-year-old boy in the head. He's in critical but stable condition. Another 15-year-old girl was hit in the wrist. A couple other students had some uh, abrasions, some injuries, maybe from some broken glass. But we'll get an update on all the conditions coming up at about 1.30. We've been talking about what's been going on in Washington, D.C., our uh, Swamp Watch segment, which we do every day starting at uh, 12.30. And uh, along with the questions about this memo that everyone's been talking about, this uh, four-page, I think it's three-and-a-half pages specifically, document prepared by Congressman Devin Nunez from here in California, alleges serious abuses of power by the FBI during the investigation into the Trump campaign's ties into Russia. Um, it, uh, the Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee, at least enough of them, believe that this shows that there has been a campaign against President Trump. And that's why they want this memo released to prove that the FBI wasn't neutral like it should have been going into all of this. So that that's one of these things that is... It's a bizarre world that Washington, D.C. is, and this is evidence of it. It's a bizarre relationship between the president and the FBI. I mean, Christopher Wray could quit. Yeah, and I I would – I mean, that would be a sad thing. I would hate for that to – because this is a guy that the president chose. Christopher Wray is a guy that President Trump asked to be the director of the FBI when he got rid of James Comey. So it's just one of those – Bizarre things that will unfold, I think, over the next, uh, say, 24 or 48 hours. CNN also had a story yesterday that showed that the FBI agent that was at the center of this scandal of, you know, the texting that he was doing with an FBI lawyer. And they were talking about the secret FBI society that was that was there and. Uh, they hated President Trump. Yeah. And he was originally this FBI agent Stur- Sturzok was originally part of the Mueller investigation. Well, the, so when we find all that out, we find that his, his text messages sh- say that he hates President Trump or something to that effect, Republicans jump to the jump to the fore and accuse this guy of being sympathetic to Hillary Clinton and trying to undermine Donald Trump's campaign and then presidency. Now it turns out that this guy was the one who played a key role in the decision to reopen the email investigation. Remember yes. James Comey's decisions right before the election? He came out with a big announcement that he was going to re uh, reopen the investigation to make sure that there was no uh, illegal things going on. Well, we told you about Trey Gowdy being the latest Republican Congress member to get the hell out before the midterm elections. It looks like despite the sad reality that the Republicans face going into the 2018 midterms, they're not doing so bad when it comes to fundraising. There is a new FEC filing that shows that uh, the the president's small donor base that he has worked up and cultivated helped the RNC vastly outraise the DNC last year as they gear up for this midterm showdown season and Mike Pence is gearing up to make a very aggressive campaign push. He's going to hopscotch the country over the next three months. And what a good move that is. Wait a minute. 
If you want to lure in the dyed-in-the-wool Republicans, you don't put uh, President Trump up there hopscotching. You put you put Mike, Mike Pence. Pence. Now, if you're looking for a dynamic speaker, you don't go for Mike Pence. Right, but if you're a dyed-in-the-wool Republican, you don't need fireworks. You just need somebody who appreciates your values. But I could put a Lincoln log in a members-only jacket up on the podium, and it would be more exciting than Mike Pence. Three dozen stops, and he's hoping to raise tens of millions of dollars for House and Senate Republicans. Yet, you know, you're so right. And another thing is, is he is not one to talk crap. You know what I mean? You kind of want more of a bulldog, I would assume, out there saying what's wrong with the Democrats are out there trying to give rights to the transgenders. Is remember, that what you're worried about? Remember when guy. Howard Dean lost his campaign early on in yes. that, was it January, February, when he did that? We're going to Iowa! Yeah. That thing. You almost need someone like that. You need a rabble rouser. You need a crowd pleaser out there. Yeah, somebody who's going to top crap about the Democrats and scare the hell out of Republicans to, to get them to turn out. And Mike Pence. Mike Pence isn't even it, but he is. He's like the vanilla typical. custard of political speakers. Maybe the Republicans want vanilla custard right now. Uh, you want some sprinkles. I think you want some sprinkles. Who? Maybe he brings someone with him. Who would you bring with him to, to compliment his custard? Antonio Sabato Jr.? Um, someone like Trey Gowdy? I mean, he's more of a log- logician than he is a dynamic speaker. I can't think of anybody on the Republican side who's a really dynamic speaker. Maybe he starts touring with uh, Nikki Haley. I think, again, I don't think – I guess maybe she's as dynamic as they get. I mean – In the inner some, circle, yeah. Yeah, there's nobody in the cabinet. What are you going to do? The, you know who his opening – who Mike Pence's opening act is going to be to make him look more energetic? That's a sad place to be. Ben Carson. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. You get Ben Carson out there to warm up the crowd, clap awkwardly. Ladies and gentlemen, and now the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I would... That having been said, I would pay to see that. Um, immigration authorities are uh, formalizing a plan to send agents to federal, state, and local courthouses to make arrests. Uh, There are complaints from judges. There are advocacy groups that say this is a bad idea because all it's going to do is instill fear among victims of crime who may also be in courthouses at the time. It's a two-page director from Customs and uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement says it's going to enter courthouses only for specific targets like convicted criminals, gang members, public safety threats, and immigrants who have been previously deported or ordered to leave and have not yet left. Others uh, like family, friends, and witnesses would not be picked up for deportation. However... One of the concerns from a lot of the people here is that there is a caveat in this directive that says family, friends, and witnesses wouldn't be picked up except for special circumstances. So that's um, the, uh, the official details of it have not been completely released, but they are working on that plan. President Trump's campaign raised about $7 million during the final months of last year. He was able to raise $43 million during his first year in office. 
Remember, he took the the very rare, if unprecedented, step of uh, registering his re-election committee on the first day of his presidency. But that's a that's a hell of a number. Twenty two point one million banked for his twenty twenty campaign in the whole year, or I guess since uh, since the inauguration. Yeah, that's a good head start. Would for, you imagine his campaign? By the way, spent like forty percent of its money paying legal bills. Wow. Well, you know that there are going to be people, uh, there are going to be celebrities lined up, ready to donate all kinds of money for whoever comes out on top of the Democratic ticket. So We should start a pool now. That's not a bad idea. Is that your uh, way of saying that's a good idea? Well, I don't want to go that far, but I'll just say it's not a bad idea. Okay. It might be a neutral idea, (laughs) but I won't go so far as to say it's a good idea. Hmm. You know, make some bets. A little yeah, gas, presidential uh, 2020 pool. Presidential election fantasy league. We could call it PEFL or something like that. Oh, that sounds so familiar. It's weird. All right. We come back. The latest on the shooting at uh, Castro Middle School. Uh, when we come back, also an update from the hospital, potentially, of the uh, people who were injured in that shooting. Her, uh, not only the ones, the two who were shot, but others who were injured. And uh, we're trying to check in with Mark Saltzman, see if we can squeeze him in and get a little tech talk update before the uh, before the day is through. Tommy's mad at us on Facebook. Tommy. Says, Who do you guys consider to be dynamic speakers? I guess not Mike Pence. Apparently, we've offended the Mike Pence fan club. <clears throat> I don't think we've ever said anything bad about Mike Pence. No, I just said he's not a dynamic speaker. And if I'm getting somebody out there as rabble-rousing... I don't picture Mike Pence. He's like a bowl of vanilla yogurt. Yeah. Like it's not bad. Aww. It's not good. It's not bad. It might be neutral. All right. We're going to go live now to the press conference about the school shooting today. Let's help. The LAPD, certainly all the first responders that assisted in this tragedy. I want to thank our school mental health unit, our Student Health and Human Services, for the incredible response and support to help cover and um, assist with any trauma-related issues that certainly would develop in a situation like this. As we move forward, I want to uh, announce that for the Sal Castro campus, this is Sal Castro Middle School, we'd like to let the parents know that although the regular dismissal time is at 3.05, the school will be prepared to release students early for those parents who choose to pick up their child early. And that dismissal will be at the softball field at Loma and Crown Hill. Once again, that's for the Sal Castro Middle School student population. Normal dismissal is 305, but parents who choose to pick up their children early may do so at the softball field at Loma and Crown Hill at 1.30 p.m. Students, from Newmark. Their normal dismissal is at 2 p.m. The students at Belmont High School, the normal dismissal is 3.05 as well. Parents who choose to pick up their children early for Belmont High School can do so in front of the school at Belmont. So that is the latest information we will have as uh, we move forward for the day, obviously, as we indicated before. 
This is an ongoing investigation. There are still a lot of pieces to put together. And so we are only providing information right now on what we're going to do to move forward for the rest of the school day. That being said, I'd like to uh, once again introduce the interim superintendent, Ms. Vivian Etchin. Once again, thank you to all the different departments that came together to support our students and our communities. Most importantly, I'd like to thank the parents and community members who've been patiently waiting with us so that LAPD could lift the lockdown that existed at the school site. I would like to repeat that this is a very tragic incident. We take it incredibly seriously. The safety of our students will always remain our number one priority. After examination of the facts, we will support the students starting this afternoon throughout the weeks to make sure that whatever has happened is something that they can address with the support of our mental health and others. I would like to also thank the teachers who've come through during this time as they've been during lockdown working with the kids. The kids were fed. We've been listening to them carefully. These are all children. The reality is, as a community, we have to examine what is it that would want, would, would make a child want to come to school with a gun. We don't have additional information, but we know we have to address these issues as a community, not as separate entities. I thank you. I know that many of the parents have been anxious to pick up their kids. As Chief Zipperman just stated, they can if they wish. The information was provided. If they are working and can't, we will take care of the kids until the end of the day as regular dismissal would allow us to. So I want everyone to know the kids are safe and we are taking care of them. School will be back tomorrow. Hopefully a lot of time for a conversation around how we can make our kids feel better about what has happened on this campus. But our continuous support will be around focusing back on instruction, college, career, and life readiness. We as a city have proven again we put kids first. So thank you for that. Thank you, Superintendent. My name is Monica Garcia. I am a proud board member of this community. and. Mostly, I wanted to say out loud, we love our kids. Today was difficult for our parents and our staff and leaders. It was uncomfortable, but mostly we all did our work around supporting our kids. And it's really important that we say out loud, we love our children. And what happened today is not what we expect every day. So we communicate to our families, please come to school. We have help for you tomorrow. Today, we are getting ready for dismissal. And I just want to appreciate all the parents who expressed their love and concern about what was going on today. I would be so pissed At the off end of the day, if I was a parent to go home and I found out my kid was in a classroom where there was a shooting at 9 this morning and I had to wait till 1.30 p.m. to go get my kid. Yeah, I would be pissed off as hell. And, we and I feel like there's some damage control going on with this press conference. Because if you imagine, uh, I talked about this earlier, uh, when my daughter had to get evacuated earlier, or last year she was evacuated from school for something, not, not a shooting or anything like this, uh, the process of pickup 
was a fiasco. And that was at a high school where a lot of the kids could, on their own, get in their cars and leave and take friends home or go, you know, and it, the the process that it, there was an absolute fiasco. This, where you're keeping kids in a school that had uh, that had seen a shooting, I, it's a bizarre thing. I'd and be, I, I'd be, I would be beside myself. I, I mean, I don't know, but I can, I can feel it. I would be beside myself if if my kid called me and said, "Hey, I just saw a, a shooting in my classroom, and my kid is crying, and I go to the school, and they tell me I can't get to my kid." Until one thirty, when the shooting happened at nine, are you kidding me right now? Who the hell are you? That I would have a real problem with that, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Well, and that's I think that's the issue that a lot of school districts, school site uh, officials, cops, they all have to deal with is what do they do in this situation? They have to weigh the emotions so and give me my the kid. fear of that's the parents. That's what they need to do, and they have to deal with the, the keeping some sense of. Uh, I don't know. They should figure out a protocol for people who show up at the school and are hysterical and say, I want my kid now. Give me my kid. You know, I don't know what that, that is, I don't, but I don't know I, what that is. I, I, is I it know. just as simple as saying, I don't know, okay. But it's, it's not right to say, no, we're talking to your kid. We have your kid's best interest in mind. We love your kid. No, 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 no. No, you don't. Well, they do. I'm sure they it do, just, but it's it different. It's, it's, it's my kid. It's to your kid. Right. I don't know. I think this is going to be a situation that they that they didn't let people get to their kids until 1.30. That's 10, 11, 12. That's four and a half hours after. These are little kids. This is a middle school. Yeah, 10, 11, 12, maybe 13 years old in some cases uh, that a lot of these were. two of, In fact, the two of them were um, injured. 11-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl were injured. And then the 15-year-old boy who was shot in the head in critical but stable condition and a 15-year-old girl shot a hit in the wrist, and she's listed in fair condition. Uh, I, I do think that, that this is one of those conversations that does have to happen in the aftermath of all of these. It, what do we do with the kids? And like you said, what do you do when the parents show up? Because that's everyone's first natural reaction is to show up uh, to the school site in the in an event like this. And I know that investigators need to talk to kids and find out what they saw and what they knew and all of that. But there needs to be a more expeditious plan for, for this. Unfortunately, we do have to plan for this kind of stuff. Let's go back to uh, Chief Zipperman from L.A. Uh, schools Chief. We truly appreciate the media's chief. response to this and allowing us to get the messaging out as we need to. As indicated already, this is a traumatic incident for many, many of our students and our young people. What I'm asking the media is to please recognize and please respect it tomorrow as our students arrive at school. I know it's inviting to want to come here with the cameras and the news media trucks, and I certainly cannot prevent that. But I am asking you to please respect the privacy of the students, respect the privacy of the families, and know that it is a traumatic incident for these children, and sometimes the best way for them to recover is to allow them through their regular process of normalcy of how they arrive in school and not have to be bombarded by various news cameras and such. I think I just want to put that out because I want you to please try to respect that. With that being said, I will take two, state, two, two questions. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. What type of classroom is that? What type of classroom or what grade level? 
Okay. It was a mixed grade. This particular class was a mixed grade. Do we know? Uh, super, Superintendent Martinez. Okay, it's an elective. It was an elective class with mixed grades. Thank yeah, you. One, right more, here. one more question. Right here. Okay, one more question, David. Go ahead. Okay, as previously indicated, uh, this is a Los Angeles Police Department investigation, and I cannot provide any more information on with the investigative uh, process of this at this time. Yeah, sure, uh, Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Ramirez. Good afternoon. Here's what we know at this time. This is a very serious and complex investigation, and we're going to treat it that way because of the details that were involved. So we have a subject, a person of interest that's detained. We're investigating that. We're talking with her. We're talking with the students that might have witnessed it, and that's where we're at right and now. is she the 12-year-old? That's what we identified as a 12-year-old subject, person of interest. Was she related to any of the victims? Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Was she related? All right, well, that's the latest out of the Westlake District. Again, the shooting at Sal Castro Middle School today, uh, right there on 2nd West 2nd Street, which is uh, just northwest of downtown Los Angeles. A 12-year-old girl was the shooter in this case, and she was taken into custody Two injured uh, teenagers, two kids were shot. Uh, A boy, 15, was shot in the head, and he's listed in critical but stable condition. We'll get an update on his condition sometime in the next 15, 20 minutes or so. And then a girl, also 15, was shot in the wrist, and she is listed in fair condition. But once again, you know, this happened just before 9 o'clock, so we're working on four-plus hours now, and still no good indication as to what sort of a relationship she had with those those two kids that were shot, if any, uh, if they were hit intentionally, if uh, there was some motive here. That's still up in the air, and they didn't say anything to that end. In the coming days, you're probably going to hear a lot about random weapon searches at L.A. school. L.A. schools. L.A. Unified is the only school district its size that requires every middle and high school campus to conduct daily random searches for weapons using metal detector wands. Now, it's unclear if this school, Castro Middle School, had these weapon searches going on today, if they were even going on this week, if they've been going on this month. We don't know yet. But There has been a lot of debate about these. Some local activists are pushing to end these random searches, saying that there's, you know, there's not a very much consistency in the way they're doing the way they're doing them. Um, Is the evidence useful or necessary? The district began these back in 1993. I had no idea. I didn't even know this was going on today. Random weapon searches. Random weapon searches. I, this, I think the issue came up, not, not the weapons, but I mean, when we talk about uh, drug searches, which I think started in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. I remember, you know, if we ever saw a cop on my high school campus, somebody did something very wrong. Like it was a highly unusual yeah. thing. And they were beginning the discussion of drug searches on campus with the potential use of canine officers, et cetera, to come through. But I don't remember cops ever being on campus for anything like that. These random weapon searches began in 1993 at L.A. Unified after a 16-year-old was shot and killed at Fairfax High. A month later, a student died in a shooting at Reseda High. So the district began requiring them in 2011 after a shooting at Gardena High School. 
So it seems like they started getting into it, you know, based on what school and the preference was in the 90s, but started requiring it in 2011. There was an internal district audit of 20 schools, and this was released last April, and it found several inconsistencies in how these random searches were conducted. Uh, Some schools did not have daily searches. One-fourth of the schools did not have enough metal detector wands to search properly. I don't know how a lacking consistency can be part of the argument to get rid of them. Isn't the part of them being random to, I don't know, be random? Right. Yeah, I, and I think there's a – it's an argument that is hard to really get behind. I mean if you're talking about a situation like today, no guarantee that this girl would have been subjected to one of those random searches. But if they had been going on at the school, would she be less likely to bring a weapon to school like this? It's a it's a stranger – we'll talk more about this in just a second because we have a, a, an opportunity for you to win $1,000. Here's how we're going to do it. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. And answer the phone. If you win that $1,000, they'll give you a call from a number you probably don't recognize, but you got to answer if you're going to win. If you don't, stick around because next hour, John and Ken will also give away $1,000. Some district teachers and students say that these random weapon searches are not very common in AP classes, honors classes, magnet classes. And what happens in those classes is there's many more white students in some cases. So there's that argument floating around as well. Here's the other one. They're not getting guns. I mean, we talk about school violence, and when we talk about the worst school violence, we talk about guns coming into classrooms uh, and, and mowing people down in some instances. In the in the time that they did this between 2013 and 2015, UCLA Civil Rights Project did a bunch of records searches and analyzed all of it. And they said they had 5,400 searches covering 34,000 searches of students. Uh, administrators confiscated school supplies much more so than any specific weapons like guns or knives. We'll want to hear about the weapons that they did find. Sure. Knives. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest one. That's bad. Peppers. When, when's the last time you heard about a stabbing on a school campus? I would think that the knives are for personal protection sure. rather than I'm going to go stab uh, a bunch Rather of than people. offensive weapon? Yeah. But, but, but I've never heard of a stabbing on a school campus. I assume they've happened. I'm sure happened. it happens. There was that uh, Slender Man case where the girls stabbed the other girl. And that wasn't on campus, though. No. Oh, it was school hours, though, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Um, pepper spray is on here. I don't understand that. Also a defensive weapon. Absolutely. Haven't there been stabbings on college campuses? Yeah. Fresno State, was there one? Hmm. Seems like there was a guy that did that at Fresno State. Razors and razor blades there. Shanks, mace, exacto blades, box cutters, batons. Not very many weapons found, though. Who's the kid who brought a cattle prod? It says electric shockers. I'm assuming that, well, I guess it could be a stun gun. It could be a taser. But but stun gun is also on that list. Um, Why are they confiscating highlighters? Well, if if I took a highlighter, if if I reached in that little file cabinet right there. Is it to sniff it or something? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I was going to say. Like a dry erase board? I could poke your eyes out with a highlighter. But I don't know how how you would use it as a weapon. 
Um, they are saying that these random weapons searches also worry kids who belong to the LGBT community and kids who fear deportation. And if you're ha- if you happen to be a kid who's homeless or ho- um, home struggling, if that's the right word, you carry all your stuff in a backpack anyway. You don't want somebody going through your, your entire belongings. There has been little research on the effect of these daily random searches in schools, according to a UCLA education professor. Pro- professor. But she said schools begin to look more like prisons when there's a lot of surveillance, and that can lead for kids greater ne- negative perceptions of that school climate. A lot of students carry, this, carry these weapons, she says, not necessarily because of the school. It's getting to and from yeah, the school. the way home. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the most dangerous places, and that's why, you, like you said, some of those weapons, knives, uh, shanks, pepper spray, all of that stuff could be considered defensive weapons. District administrators do not allow you and I, members of the media, to see what a random search looks like. But what they did when the L.A. Times came a calling is they pointed to a school board study session in which the George Washington Prep High School administrators did a, a demonstration. And according to the data from the UCLA analysis, schools choose an average of six students for search. Six I think there are 1,600 kids on my uh, my daughter's high school right now, 1,600 on campus. And I think that's underestimating. North Hollywood High, for example, randomly searched 100 students on April 20th. Get it? 420? And they say they're not looking for drugs, by the by. They found one lighter. They found a few permanent markers, like you said, uh, and no drugs. Uh, 420 was a big time to get high when we were youths, back when we didn't say words like youth. Right. Uh, Do did, did, did the kids still celebrate 420? Is that a thing still? They know about it. I don't know if they celebrate Oscar? it. It's yeah. kind of losing its uh, its flavor, isn't it? I, I mean, if you can go that. buy your... Oscar's getting old now. Yeah, and the real stoners will, you know, they'll be like, oh, it's 420, ha, ha, ha. But it's not like tea time in London where you set your clocks to it and smoke at 420. Because <laughs> they wouldn't be able to tell the time anyway. Um, this is, I mean, in terms of just the random, the randomness of these searches, Hamilton High School, there was a kid who was a freshman one time when administrators carrying handheld metal detectors interrupted his English class to do this random search. And they ask a student to pick a number between one and ten. The chosen, uh, the students choose uh, a student chooses number seven, so they choose every seventh person in the class for the random. Can we dip search. into this uh, county uh, USC press conference? Yes, this is to get uh, an update on the uh, school shooting victims that are being treated there. This is the chief medical officer there at County USC. And now we're going to and their families. We have received four patients today, and they are in, all in stable condition. Um, this incident reminds us how critically important it is to keep and maintain high-quality level one trauma centers to care for patients in our community. And we are the busiest and by far largest level one trauma center in Los Angeles, if not in the western U.S. And we have the most skilled ER and trauma surgeons in the world, frankly. So we're well prepared to handle events like this. 
Um, we're going to have the trauma attending surgeon make a brief statement about our patient care strategies here. And we also have a care team assembled to answer any questions you may have. So we have Carl Chudnovsky, the chair of the emergency department, available for Q&A. Dr. Aaron Strumwasser was the attending surgeon who, care, who is caring for our patients. Dr. Adler Salazar is the attending in the pediatric intensive care unit. We have two social services experts, social workers, Inez Beckin Dickinson, I'm sorry, Beckin English, and Larry Schneider. And we have Dr. Chase Coffey, who is our director of inpatient services. So now we're going to have Dr. Strumwasser come up and make a statement about care, and then we will open up to Q&A for the entire team. Thank you, Dr. Spellberg. This morning at approximately 9.30 a.m., our hospital received a phone call that four potential gunshot wound victims would be arriving to our emergency room, ages 12, approximately from a local middle school. Two of these kids were serious, seriously injured, none life-threatening. Two of the other children had minor injuries. One of the, the kids is currently in the intensive care unit. One kid is resting comfortably in the emergency department. Specialists have been recruited to come and see the patients, uh, but all of them are expected to make a full recovery. Here at LA County USC, we are a level one trauma center accredited by the American College of Surgeons. Usually in circumstances like this, when there is an active shooter involved, it is a coordinated effort between the Department of Emergency Medicine, Department of Surgery, pediatrics, social work. We get all the resources available at our disposal to, to handle these mass casualty-like incidents. Um, the kids, as I said, are anticipated to do well, and at this time, I'm happy to take any questions that you might have. Sure. When kids are initially triaged in the field by emergency medical services personnel, LA fire or paramedics, they receive an, an, an initial injury severity okay. assignment. We're going to uh, listen in on this. I don't know how much information they can give us because we're talking about kids here, yeah. um, but the information is that they are all stable at this point, which is excellent news. And that they're all expected to make a full recovery. So that is the best news I think that could probably come out of this uh, this shooting at Castro Middle School. So we'll keep an ear on this conference from USC. Um, when we come back, Mark Saltzman's going to join us. Quick tech talk stuff, including how it is you get everything ready for the uh, big game on, I'll just say the Super Bowl, for the Super Bowl on Sunday with your big TV tech stuff. Gary and Shannon on this Thursday. Got Mark Saltzman here in just a second. I just wanted to update you. We've got the update from USC County medical center that says that they have four of the patients from that castro middle school shooting today and thankfully all of them are stable including the 15 year old boy who was shot in the head and listed as critical and uh, the doctors there said all of them are expected to make a full recovery again a 12 year old girl was the apparent uh, uh, shooter in this case so we'll follow that story john and ken will have the latest but it's time for some uh, tech talk stuff the machines are getting smarter this is tech talk Brought to you by Skynet. Well, on Thursdays uh, in the 1 o'clock hour, we get to welcome in our friend and your friend, Mark Saltzman, tech columnist for USA Today and among other places. And you can see all of his work and follow him on Twitter. Mark with a C underscore Saltzman. Mark, how's it going? 
Oh, great. Thanks. Are you all ready mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl? <laughs> I am stoked. <laughs> you know I'm not a sports guy, but I like the wings and I like the beer and I like the commercials. Well, this is the time of year everybody throws their televisions on sale, uh, all the mm-hmm. different stores and, and companies, etc. cetera. Uh, but if you've already – I already have a TV. I just don't know if I've – gotten it Super Bowl ready yet. How do I do that? Sure. Yeah. So that was the theme of my USA Today column last weekend. How do you take your existing TV and optimize it, both the picture and the sound, ahead of Super Bowl Sunday? So there are a few things you can do. For one, the obvious one is to make sure that the signal that you're getting from the TV provider is the best quality picture possible. So if it's been seven years since you've upgraded your cable box, it may be time, especially if you bought a 4K TV, but you're still using, you know, an older receiver. You want a 4K receiver. And no, you know, NBC hasn't confirmed if they're if they're showing the game in 4K, but it will upconvert it to that better quality resolution. 4K, of course, uh, requires 4K cameras. These these can shoot uh, video like sports with four times the resolution of HD. But even if it doesn't, if you have a 4K TV, it will upconvert a regular high definition signal to near 4K quality. So the first thing you want to do is make sure that you are getting the best quality picture from your TV provider. Over-the-air broadcasts, by the way, are even better because they're uncompressed HD. Um, often when you go through satellite or, or a cable company, it, they shrink down that uh, signal. But it's even better if you can get over the air. And then make sure your, your cables are good, like an HDMI cable. You don't want to use those old RCA, you know, the red, yellow, and white ones. That's just not good in 2018. Mark, yeah. I think you'd be proud of Gary. His television in his uh, living room there is the size of the big screens at the Jacksonville Stadium. Oh, it's not true. <laughs> nice. It's true. It's How many inches? It's huge. It's a 70-inch TV, I think. Wow. Very nice. Doesn't mess around. No, it's legit. Uh, so that's yeah. So obviously you've got the right size and to, to have lots of, you know, now you need all your friends over on Sunday. So, you know, I know my invite must have got lost in the mail. You but didn't that's invite right. Mark? On, that is not. What are you doing? I'm bringing it up, dummy. Might be a bit of a long commute, but I can do it. Was it because he's Canadian? Is that <laughs> no, why? Because I don't We're know. We're not what... showing hockey, eh? <laughs> is there a hockey game on Sunday? I assume yeah. there probably is somewhere. Yeah, uh, one of the things I've, I've asked uh, and never really gotten a great answer to is, is there a way I can calibrate it to specific to my room? Is there a tool I use or a product or anything that I can download, anything like that? Mm-hmm. So there are some calibration discs that most people will not have, uh, clearly. And it, it, some, some of the DVDs that are available out there from Lucasfilm and Pixar, they may have it built in already, but without even having any of that. And there's an app, too, that doesn't work quite as well. All you want to do, though, is to go into your settings of your TV. And don't do it the day of, by the way, in case you mess things up and you have to go back to the factory default settings. You don't want to do that five minutes before the big game or your friends will throw like a hot bowl of chili at you. Not a good idea. So do it on the Saturday. But what you want to do is <laughs> is go to, if your TV has different modes, then choose sports because that'll bring the colors up front. It'll make the, the green pop on the field. Um, It'll also tweak the motion because don't forget, it's not just about color and saturation and contrast levels and brightness, but it's also about how smooth the motion is. Um, you know, when, when the, the football players are running down the field, you don't want it to be blurry. So you may want to tweak the hertz, as it's called, H-E-R-T-Z, or the motion uh, rate. It's, it's called different things on different TVs, but you can either bump it up 
to 120 hertz, which doubles the 60 frames per second, or if it makes you feel a little motion sick because it's too fast on these newer TVs, you can actually dumb it down back to 60 hertz or 120 hertz. So do that as well. So just play around. The, the bottom line is experiment. You do not need a disc to calibrate your TV, or you, nor do you need to hire a company to come in and do it for you. One tip is to decrease the brightness if you uh, have, if you don't, as long as you don't need that brightness because it's a, 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 you know, all, lots of windows around your TV room. Dim the brightness so you get more detail, uh, and and bump up the contrast is is one tip that a lot of audio video folks try. Mark, the first of its kind Amazon Go store has opened for everyone in Seattle. It was only open to Amazon employees for for a while there. How does this work? Sure. So it's an 1,800-square-foot store that's tucked in behind Amazon's headquarters in Seattle. And 1,800 it was in feet. Testing. How big is that? Uh, yeah. That's like a normal store? Small house, maybe. Yeah, it's not the biggest store. Like, certainly, you know, but for an online retailer that wants to experiment with something at retail, why not? Um, it's It's, you know... It's a decent size. It's not a it's not a, a Best Buy that's, uh, you know, obviously many tens of thousands of square feet. But definitely go in. And uh, if you are in that area, it's now open to the public. You just have to sign up ahead of time and download an app. And the way it works is you go in there. There's no cashier. Uh, you go and you take items off the shore, the store shelves. You put it into your basket or your bag or what have you. And then you walk out. So there are hundreds of cameras on the ceiling. So if you are a little neurotic, feeling like Big Brother is out there, this is not for you. <laughs> but the, the idea is this. I thought that when Amazon talked about this concept a couple of years ago, that you had to scan, like that there was like a, a sensor near the exit and every barcode on the product would be scanned as you leave and it's added to your account. But it doesn't work like that. It's all cameras uh, that have artificial intelligence on the back end and they're looking at everything you're, you're taking and even putting back on the shelf, by the way, it'll take it back off your, um, your list. But then the idea is that you just load up your stuff and you, you walk out. So you know how with some places like Home Depot or Walmart, you can do that self-checkout. This, this, that's like a stopgap solution. Now we've gone from cashiers to, you know, the self-checkout to just grabbing items and, and getting out of the store and you will be billed accordingly. So that's the idea behind Amazon Go. It is a concept store now open to the public where you grab items and you walk out and it's added to your Amazon account. Is this going to be the, the store of the future, do you think? I think so. Yeah, whether it's this technology or the one that I alluded to where instead of um, barcodes, it's little RFID tags that emit some uh, a signal with some information on it, that the fact that we just walk out and everything is just at one time added to your account, I think that's where we're going. Oh, the idea, so obviously, nice. for something like this is, yeah, just to to reduce lines or eliminate lines, it really speeds up the, the shopping experience. I think it's great as long as you don't have this issue with a million cameras on you at the same time uh, and looking at every move you make. That's so how don't it's, get it's high guessing. and then go. <laughs> Probably not a good idea. <laughs> Although, the, yeah, yeah, never mind. What about for the people who say that this is a job killer? There are still some jobs available in these kinds of stores. You know, it's a good point. Uh, with automation, whether it's self-driving cars, robots, or a employee-less store, it does beg the question, okay, so fantastic, technology is taking away my job. But keep in mind that this technology actually adds new jobs as well. I think I, I think I mentioned this on our, our segment once before that the head of IBM's Watson department in their studies have found that for every job that technology replaces, for every person, uh, a robot, for example, replaces, it creates 
four and a half new jobs on average. They're just different jobs. So you obviously, you know, you do perhaps risk being replaced uh, by a self-driving car if you're a truck driver or a courier, uh, or if you work at as a cashier at a, a supermarket, you may be replaced with technology in the future. I don't think it's coming that fast, but if you have the the inclination to study things like coding, engineering, robotics, you know, then great. Then you're future-proofing your, your odds of, you know, being part of this future instead of uh, a byproduct of it. Very cool. Mark, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. And we're going to throw up Mark's uh, home theater advice, the link to the uh, the article that he did for USA Today up on the website. If you go to KFIAM640.com, use the keyword Gary and Shannon. All right, uh, the latest information from Castro Middle School when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, tomorrow we are going to be talking about all things Super Bowl, at least for a little bit of the time, and it has nothing to do with football, so don't worry about it. It's like stuff like Tom Brady and why his water habit would kill most of us. His what habit? Water. Remember we for a we? Yeah. Not unlike that. Really? It's a lot of we. I still have a we. Update on the school shooting there at Castro Middle School in the Westlake area of Los Angeles, west of downtown. Doctors at L.A. County USC Med Center say all of the patients it's treating from this morning's shooting expected to make a full recovery. The most seriously injured kid, the boy who was shot in the head, 15 years old, is still in intensive care, but he is in stable condition. Uh, The other girl that was hit by a bullet hit in the wrist in fair condition, and some other people hit by some glass and minor abrasions. Uh, they were a, an 11-year-old boy, a 12-year-old girl, and a 30-year-old woman who probably an aide or a teacher's aide, something like that, or a teacher even. Um, the interesting thing that we thought comes out of this, I mean, now that we know that the kids are going to be okay, that everyone's going to make a full recovery, at least according to doctors, the issue of what's going on with school security in the event of an incident like this what do parents do when they roll up to school and are told that the kids are going to stay there for the rest of the day? And what goes into that decision-making process of there was a shooting in one of our classrooms, five people have been taken to the hospital and injured, and one person um, arrested, but we're going to continue the school day. That was odd to me that they were going to continue the school day. And the only thing that I could rationalize that idea for is that there are some parents in the school district. It's a low income school district uh, that can't get there for what, whatever reason right away. OK, so some parents so they want to make sure that they let the parents know, hey, we'll take care of your kid till release time, 305 or whatever it is. Um, but the, for the parents that were able to, to and, and were terrified and wanted their kid immediately, they were told, um, no, you're going to wait till 130. And that's a hard thing, I would imagine, to swallow if you're a parent. And this is a shooting that happened at 9 a.m. And yeah. you're told you had to wait to go get your kid until 1.30. And there are F and you. There, you mentioned this. I mean, in terms of the mama bear aspect of it, people are going to roll into that school and demand to get their kid. Oh, yeah. Regardless of I what the ex- cops say or administrators no. or anything. Yeah. Yeah. But there are people who would still sit there. I mean, that learned about this right after 9 o'clock and probably may, may still be sitting on that field waiting to get their kid released from school. So... Uh, John Cobalt is here for the John Kent Show. Hey. 
Hi. It's, it's over hey. there. That one. What? This uh, one? There you go. No, that one. Oh, that one. That goes to that. All right. One. I'm connected now. How are you? Good. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, well, we're going to have Andrew uh, on about that uh, school shooting story. Even girls are walking in and shooting people now. That's another bizarre aspect of this one. Too. Can't and, remember the last time it was a girl. And the female uh, mayor in Nashville who held the press conference today to say that she had an affair with the head of her security detail. That's also <laughs> rare for a female. Yeah, that's unusual, too. It's uh, Time's up? Yep. Is that? <laughs> Women are starting to act like guys. That's not a good thing. That's been going on for quite some time. <laughs> remember the Blazers of the early 90s? The Blazers? That's when with, the, it with the shoulder pads? Oh, I thought of yeah. the basketball team. No. I, <laughs> yeah, don't you remember when they fielded an all-woman team? But they have women on that team? I, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's coming up right after the news. Excellent. John and Ken, up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on Gary and Shannon.